Uh, I like to start the cast with a question that comes with two answers. Okay. Uh, two of your favorite movies, two of your favorite albums. They don't have to be the top or most favorite, but they have to be two that you go back to. Uh, okay. Go. Two uh, movies, two albums. Before Sunset by R- Richard Linklater. By who? Uh, by Richard Linklater. Yes, Linklater. Um, I haven't seen that one yet because it's a trilogy. It's the second one, the trilogy. Yeah, it takes place in, in Paris. Okay. It's a very short movie. It's like an hour and like 15 minutes. It's like I love Linklater at his best. Yeah. Linklater is worth his trouble, but uh, I like his yeah. best. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like his baseball movie, really. Um, I liked his baseball movie. You liked it? I, liked I thought parts it was a callback to uh, Days and Confused. It is. like That's kind of the spiritual sequel to Days and Confused in a lot of ways, I think. It is. And I like Days and Confused. I just thought that, that movie was... It just didn't really do anything. Fair. I was just kind of like, okay. Um, I've seen this before. Yeah, it's like it's like... Okay, here's, here's here's his Texas childhood again. Here's uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, here's yeah. like a, a good old American tale. Like, you yeah. Know? Well, here's some safe work, basically. Right. Totally. All right. Movie um, number two. Movie number two. Let me think about that for a second. Um, oh, uh, fucking uh, uh, the the way they come from Chungking uh, Express. Chungking Express yeah. is also one of my favorites. That shit's movies. fucking fantastic. I, I just th- recently saw that movie because uh, that movie is incredible and someone else saw it. It's a little cliche for me to say that I love... Oh, and you know, I, I'll say also uh, Band of Outsiders, the Godard film. Okay. Um, that movie... Because, yeah, they do, yeah, because the French New Wave influence I first saw in Chungking Express yeah. and anywhere else outside of the French New Wave. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the fucking... Uh, God, Band of Outsiders, like, there's this scene in it that's just, like, fucking, like, you could just tell that Tarantino is just, like, mm, I'm gonna fucking take yeah. that. And it's, it's, a, it's a, in the middle of the scene, there's just this, like, sensual but not sexual group dance scene where they're in a bar and they get up and they're, like, doing the thing with their hats and shit like that. And that's, I know that scene. That's the kind of thing that Tarantino would have in, like, fucking, like, you know, Pulp Fiction with, like, fucking uh, John Travolta and Uma Thurman. Like, out of nowhere yeah. they're dancing and, like, they're, they're doing yeah. their thing and it's just this... And then, as a viewer, you're watching it and you're like, hey, I've, tra- last time Travolta danced mm-hmm. was in that mm-hmm, one movie mm-hmm, I saw. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, I think the Uma Thurman... Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Two albums. Two albums. Uh, I would say Nas is Illmatic. Um, wow. I would always come back to that record. Great record. Sure. I think that record. Um, I had to revisit that record because of Sam actually, which is also really? in the room. I should, I no should mention for posterity. It's timeless. It's just timeless. It's like, pretty good, like, but it took me a while to get it. Wu Tang, I got like that. Sure. Illmatic, I was like, I don't get this yet. I have to put it away. Later, I met it, and it's it's great. I mean, it's he great. he was the first like battle rapper. He was the first rapper that was like, I am just straight street lyricism. Like I am like yeah. Like like you had tribe. You know, you already had tribe. You know, Wu Tang was starting out, but they had their whole they had their whole shtick. That was a different thing entirely. Well, yeah, they were different areas. Yeah. So they're insulated then. Anyway, they're now doing, internet, but then no internet. Straight up street lyricism. He was the first, like to okay. really fucking do it like Illmatic. that. You know. Because even Biggie was like doing the mafiosa thing. That, that's it. And even street lyricism. I mean, yeah. by then you already had an East Coast West Coast thing, so there was already like mm-hmm. in a subculture within those things sure. doing their own thing. But album number two. I mean, he was it was just straight poetry. Like, then um, yeah. I would say probably oh, um, you know, um, I'm just thinking too off the top of my head. Uh, I would probably say. Uh, John Coltrane's "A Love Supreme." Um, I, I, I always come back to that record. Like I, I know that record and every single drum fill on it. Like I, I love that fucking record. 
When did you jump into that record? What age? 17, 16. That's the most impressive, impressionable age. Yeah, yeah. I would say that like that was around the time that I um, started to really uh, understand music for a more uh, in a more like it's it's multitude of of affects. Right. Like I feel like music only served a couple different purposes for me um, before that. Like, cause I was a punk kid. I was like a fucking like yeah. you know metal kid, and like but it's like it was aggression, you know. It was always, it was always like fucking just like either yeah. aggression or yeah. I was listening to hip hop and I was smoking weed with my friends. You know what I mean? Your your interpretation comes out more crude, but then the nuances come in. Then right. comes Coltrane. Right. And then I mean that hit you at the prime. Now think. you got the multitude, and all and then of a sudden you got the like right. you know all of a sudden I can look at all kinds of music and be like oh shit this, yes. is, this is all this is doing all kinds That's of different right. things right now you know what I mean it's like yeah. I, I don't need if to if this is out there what else is out totally, there totally for sure that's the question so we got two uh, two movies and two albums well yeah. we got three movies and two albums right 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 how are you right now ever um, anymore um I would say better than I thought I would be um and all things considered you know um probably doing a little bit better than surviving um not not much better than surviving but a little better than surviving this is only the second time I meet you but yeah. I'm already secure in my head and this might be my this might be my naivete coming in from the before time but I mean I'll allow it because I, I think it's a good Wait, what do you mean being. by the before time from the before time, like before as in COVID, from before before I before you met me to myself. Oh, okay, for sure. Which is actually around the time I met Sam, who's also oh, okay. in, the, uh, the, in the room for posterity's sake. So you want to say hello, Sam? Hello. Uh, so, uh, having met you a second time, uh-huh. I've secured in my mind, as much as this may be naivete or not, that you're a decent enough guy. On top of the fact that you put across a mindset that very filled with depth there's a there's a sea that you know and there's a deep sea that's mm. intriguing enough for me to uh, to ask so thankfully sam had already introduced you to the idea of this podcast i didn't have to do much much work to, to twist your arm to get in here um you're doing okay you're doing better than before yeah what, what yeah. uh what have you been doing lately besides cooking and cleaning um i've been exploring uh i working a lot I've been, working on uh, I've been making music. Uh, I do marketing uh, and like uh, design production for a coffee company, uh, Intelligentsia. This this company. That's I've seen that co- that company around. It, it looks too expensive for me to know, but yeah. it, it looks intriguing enough aesthetically for me to want a cup of coffee there sure. when I have enough money. Yeah. Uh, how do you like working there? What's the smell like? I mean, I've been working with coffee for the longest time. Um, honestly, like the people I work with, they're a bunch of press punk dudes, and they're a bunch of like. Uh, you know, and that um, you can identify with them, or that they're like uh, a group that you had to join. We're just all a bunch of weird city people doing weird jobs for like a kind of a trendy uh, coffee company. Does that sure. make sense? It's sure. like it's it like makes w- sense. rather than being like a, a, a wear a bunch like a kind of uh, how do I put it? Um, well, you're into what you're doing, and what right. you're doing is coffee, and you happen to be into other shit too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I've been working in coffee for a long time, like on and off. Um, yeah, well, I wouldn't say that it's something that I'm um, romantically attached to in any way. It's just something that I know. Really? Why not? Um, what prevents you from being romantic about coffee, especially since you're so tied to it? Well, drinking a cup of coffee, sure. Um, like making coffee, sure. Coffee shops, absolutely. Romanticism great. and coffee. Yeah, but like the industry itself, yes, is that's like what it is. just as fucked up as anything else is. You yes. know, everything from like the wealth distribution to colonialism to exploitation of labor to. 
uh, all of it. The sad thing is we're witnessing the the commercialization of coffee mm-hmm. by witnessing uh, marijuana being commercialized now. It's the same it's a, it's a new thing that people were against until they're right. for it. I yeah. mean, as much as they weren't against coffee to begin with, right. they weren't against cocaine to begin with, really. I mean, totally. They were putting in the Coca-Cola. Yep. But here's coffee, this thing. Here's marijuana, this thing. Now, we're gonna, now we can make money because it's legalized. Mm-hmm. All right, well, what, what can we do with it? What are the fucking options? With coffee, yeah. it... it, it went corporate with Starbucks in sure. my raising. I grew up with coffee right. and then Starbucks came in the picture. As much right. as Folgers was like a staple, right. it was cheap coffee to make at home. Right. I could see the value in that. Well, Starbucks coffee was a little more aesthetic than that. The way that they're, they typically uh, uh, separate the waves in the coffee industry is you have the first wave, which is like coffee is a utilitarian enterprise that you have at home. It's the Folgers, it has the caffeine, and it gets you, gets you up in the morning. You, you don't really think about it as like a thing that you enjoy. You think about it as a thing that you just kind of have. Tie that to a time era. I would say like uh, prior to like the late 80s, early 90s, after World War II. Okay. Uh, then right. you get Starbucks, like you're saying. You get yes. Starbucks. You get these other companies. What's that? The aughts? Uh, that would be uh, the '90s um, in like the 90s. Pacific Northwest, New York. Fraser, um, fucking. Yeah, Pete's Coffee, shit like that. Pete's coffee coffee bean. at the mall. Like, right. So, but the thing is, is that yeah. while it became corporate and it became this like, uh, you know, thing that was like super fucking all over the place and kind of like doled down, it also. Uh, right, doled down by just by I mean it's a Target, it's Walmart, it's accessible now. It was so the McDonald's of coffee at that it's point. It's the McDonald's, right? Of coffee. But it also coffee also became not just a, a utilitarian commodity, but a commodity you enjoy. Right, because everyone loves coffee. People go in there, they're like, I want a cappuccino. I want a sweet coffee. Like all of a sudden, right. coffee is a thing. Right. Like much like when you go get like a nice wine or a nice beer or something like that. Were they selling classiness to the common person, to the lower classes? I think that's kind of what was happening. It I sounds think like it, it now. Right, like, like, like a cappuccino, I remember then sounded totally. like, oh, what is that? Cafe latte is the simplest thing. It's coffee right. with milk. Right. But I had to ask the bartender. And to ask the bartender, you don't ask shit like that. You right. don't ask what's a grande. You just say, oh, that's a medium. Just go with that. Right. And now I would say that we're uh, the, the third wave has happened. We're probably still in the third wave, but we're coming upon a fourth wave as well. And the third wave is... Um, Smaller companies um, who have more direct uh, relationships with the farmers. Still exploitation, for sure. But it's not this. Would you say more hipster? Just to thing. make it accessible? For sure. It's yeah. a, definitely a more hipster aesthetic. Uh, yeah. But I would also say that like um, some companies are branching out of that a little bit more. Um, I say like, hipster, but I mean something else. What, independent? What kind of com- What's small companies? Younger. Uh, I mean, younger, like, Intelligentsia, yes. Stumptown, Blue Bottle. Right. Because um, people who love the coffee but want to start all over again, they right. want, they, they've seen what Starbucks can do, but they totally. want to start from scratch. And it tends to be people who are more interested in like the taste of coffee itself as opposed to yes. um, like coffee drinks. The aesthetic sense. moves from something it looks like to something it tastes like. Right, 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 right. And now I would say we're actually encroaching upon the fourth wave. We were already getting there, but now COVID has really launched us into it, and that's because coffee has become an... What, I- what's it? Uh, the last thing you said? Yep. The fourth wave, we're encroaching upon it. Uh, it was already starting to happen, but COVID has really thrust us COVID, into it. Yes. Because now coffee shops are closed, and coffee right. shops were already not making as much money. Right. So you're having these coffee companies who are uh, finding new ways of selling coffee uh, through e commerce. E-commerce. What does that mean? Selling the beans online? Selling the beans online, but they also that's people like that, but like that that, that can only get you so much. Yeah. So you want to have like pre-made like latte drinks. You want to have wow. pre-made. You want to have like nicer versions we're of instant coffee. You want to have like all these kinds of things. Yep. Or and, and imperfect imperfect foods like shit like that. Well, yeah, I think yeah. that's a consequence of it. Yeah. So, 
That, that's that's. Uh, <laughs> and I've read recently too that Starbucks was in trouble before COVID, and that the yeah. CEO called it or something like this. Well, I mean, what do you know of it? I, I, how much could Howard really Schultz really be in trouble? Well, the, like is, I mean, I'm like noticing, I read that article, and then I started seeing commercials, and this is only happenstance, but I started seeing commercials for Starbucks, and knowing. This didn't used to be on TV. They didn't sure. used to need commercials. So sure. They didn't used to worry about drive-thru. I thought drive-thru right. was getting them through. I know people who are constantly buying Starbucks, so Starbucks is never in trouble in my head. Right. But they're in trouble. How did this guy know it? Like, what's going on with the coffee industry that the COVID only awakened and only, like, you know, intensified, but it was already happening? What is that? What's the fourth wave, I guess? I mean, it, it, it all has to do with e-commerce. It all has to do with, like, um, not leaving your house. as Adapt, like Getting, getting, getting things delivered. Yeah, yeah, adapting to that. Because yeah. the thing is, is that, like, at the end of the fucking day, like, people are always going to spend less money if they make their coffee at home. Even if they buy... And people are selling cheaper shit. Even if they buy nice coffee, right. like, they're still going to save less fucking... They're, they're going to save money by making it at home than if they were going to the store every single fucking day. And that's not even taking into account the quality yeah. that goes into your shit. Totally. So it's like, for instance, if somebody's going to go to Starbucks and spend fucking five, six dollars on a fucking frappuccino with an extra fucking syrup... Yeah. ...versus getting, like, a two dollar version of that at home... I mean, Starbucks, yeah, they're going to lose money off that shit. Because yeah. people aren't doing that anymore. Well, how, how big a threat? What's the threat called that I can, like... You know what I call? Like, that, that I could see. Is there... Can I'm Me, I'm a common man. I have no idea Starbucks is in trouble because I've seen lines at drive throughs still. Oh, uh, well, let me, let me stop, stop you there because Amazon's... In, I mean, not Amazon. Right. There we go. Starbucks is not in trouble. <laughs> they are synonymous now. <laughs> Starbucks is not in trouble. They're not. They're not in trouble. They're they're going to... They're, they're going to still make money. They're still going to do their thing. They're going to keep growing and growing and growing. Um... The thing about Starbucks that he says that they're in trouble is because um, they haven't um, totally uh, adapted, adapted and transferred to a new um, consumer model. Yeah. They haven't, they haven't, they haven't done that yet. And um, So drive-thru is being an old-school thing, really. Well, drive-thru will still be useful. I mean, even the shops will still be useful, but less so. It's going to become more so about what can I get at home. Because, like... Yeah. People people are spending less time out in general too. I mean, like the jobs are at home. They're fucking like I mean, like COVID obviously is making this happen like very quickly. But like fucking like even before that, like it was people were like, oh, I can just work from fucking home, or I can like uh, telecommute. I can you know I hate that word. But not but yeah, like, everyone. Let's move no, to no. socialization. Let's move to movie theaters are opening now, and they're threatening to open. AMC is threatening to open. I saw that. Threatening. I say threatening, but yeah. they're gonna offer fifteen dollars, fifteen cent movies. I saw that. And yeah. it's just like, okay, well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to lure people into cinemas outside of their homes. Now, that could be a good thing, A, because I'm into the idea of movie theaters still. The big screen. Oh, I love movie theaters. Going to a movie, going to a fucking... But then I'm nostalgic. Right. B being the negative thing. Well, what if the infection is, is, is worse than we think? Another so-called cluster comes up. People get really hurt with it. It will happen. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. you don't have a vaccine. It's going to it's it's, it's going, going, it's going to happen. The, the, the badness of it so where do we go from there as a society you think you know like where do I think we're going I don't know where do you think we're going can you, can you repeat the uh, I think I'm talking I'm, I'm trying to get to the subject of people not going out for coffee because they want their coffee uh, at home people well, going I mean, outside but why if I can watch movies on my TV sure yeah, I mean, I think it, it, I think it's like a, so. For instance, in Portland, uh, Portland has a pretty thriving movie theater scene. I mean, not at the moment. What's but it look they, like? They, it's not AMC's, I presume. Oh, they have some, but the thing is, like the, the we uh, the movie theaters out there have had to make themselves um, attractive for reasons other than just being a movie theater. So, like, they have like 
food that can get delivered to you. They have beer and alcohol. They have other alcohol. Yeah, yeah. They have beer and alcohol. They have like fucking um, double movie days. They play old movies. They have like old. They have cool screens that you can't see things on, like in other places. Um, LA has it. LA is just a lot more spread out. You know, whereas in, in, in Portland, like, you can have, like, movie theater, like, in the next neighborhood, movie theater, and they're all, they're all old, they're all fucking, like, like, totally kept up in their old aesthetic and what have you, so it's, like, the people of Portland and the people visiting Portland look at it as a different thing, like, Tarantino, um, I saw him release two different movies up there, he came up there and went to a specific theater that he loved, ironically, called the Hollywood Theater, um, right. but, right, right, yeah, he, uh, well, okay, let's put it into perspective. I know LA is big, sprawling. I know San Francisco, you can probably know. Yeah, actually, I know. Your orange juice is delicious. Dude. It's very sour. Um, the uh, Because you leave the skin on. I have the skin on. I like this. I've been leaving the skin on, so I'm used to the taste now. It's an acquired taste, it but is. beer is an acquired taste. Beer is an acquired taste. Alcohol is an acquired taste. Acquired. Uh, yeah. LA is a sprawling, big place. It is. San Francisco, you could probably walk it's in a time. day, it's length. How big is Definitely Portland, can. the city? Oh. I mean, it's it's bigger than San Francisco uh, and flatter, obviously. Um, it's nothing's fucking as like. In the map, in my mind, there are fucking mountains out there. Well, yeah, it's I mean, there's no, yeah, well, no, there's mountains surrounding it. Ah, um, I see. Not 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 in it. It's a it's a valley. I um, see. Yeah. I see. So, so so it's so it's flat. Right. Big, wide flies. Um, I mean, it's still more spread out than like San Francisco and New York. Um, and but it has its like dense areas. Um, so it sounds like the beautiful mix. Yeah, I would say it's LA it's pretty big mix. Like, the neighborhoods get very suburby. Like, uh-huh. get very suburby. Like, you could be in parts of the neighborhoods and think of yourself, I'm not in a city. Whereas in the suburb, suburby parts of L.A., at least as far as I can tell, like, being, like, here, for example, like, it still feels like a city. Like, it's still like, yeah, okay. I mean, there's, there's, it's not, like, big high-rises and shit, but it still feels like it's a city, in a way, you know? It does. So. Yeah, well, I mean, as much as it's sprawling, in right. my mind, I grew up here. Right. It's, it's always been congested. Like, it, right. I mean, it may not have been congested with cars, but it sure. was always congested in some form or another. Yeah. Uh, it was never really, oh, dude, I remember when people, I see, because I go to, I sleep and live in one part of town that's right. smack between Koreatown and South Central. Okay. It's a, it's a quiet town, used to be. Now hipsterism and, well, yeah, of course. and uh, yeah. with gentrification movement. Yeah. It's gotten a little more poppy, but it's still quiet. Sure. Nevertheless, in high school, I remember going through, I went to school in Boyle Heights, which yeah. is right next to East LA. Oh, yeah. And I'd take the bus to downtown to take the bus home. Downtown was a scary enough place sure. for homeless people. It was a calm enough place that you weren't, I wasn't worried I was going to get mugged. Oh, I mean, I, I know. You to worry not to like give anybody too much eye contact. Sure. I mean, that's the same thing with most cities I lived in. And also, like, I mean, like, I, I, I fucking. You know, when I started coming down here some years ago, and I was saying like, "Oh yeah, I got buddies who live in Echo Park." My dad, who grew up in LA, is like, "Fuck, you're hanging out in Echo Park? Why would you be out there?" Like, God, like you know, I just had a rocky fucking patient at that point. You know, it's just, just especially by Dodger Stadium, like it just, yeah. it just, it just was much different like ten park. years ago, yeah. thirteen years ago, and now it's, yeah, bougie. Like, yeah. It, and it got bougie in the last ten years. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's scary. It's weird because like, yeah, like I said, well, what I was getting to was I remember going to school in Boyle Heights kids going to my house and when they hit my area my neighborhood they were like damn dude nothing's happening your area is dead yeah now they can't say that sure so but that's the that's the negative thing to me in my mind is that there are parts in this city that where you're so full of activity that you can hit other parts that aren't and you get scared in portland it sounds and i'm thinking from out loud because i'm over here and i'm thinking of this place as a you know place outside of myself a place that i've only seen in tv and movies that is picked up the ideal parts of the city and made them 
you know, basically the inspiration for Portlandia. They were like, oh, this is where your dreams can't come true because hipsterism is not frowned upon. It's actually encouraged. I mean, Portland... Hipsterism in this scenario being a good thing. Yeah. I mean, are we talking about a specific, specifically Portland? Yeah, let's, let's um, explore specifically Portland. I mean, Portland's complicated. Portland, Portland is, uh, yeah, on the one hand, it's like a haven for like a very safe... Uh, youthful uh, hipsterdom that like blends some level of like you know uh, conviviality like punk yes. and fucking um, you know uh, like kind of scholarly reader to <laughs> fucking like intelligentsia yeah like all these things it just, it just really fucking like you know like it's this weird kind of mix but it's very safe all of it's very very safe you don't feel you're gonna get mugged no, no, no. You, you can literally play any character, and you're you're a safe character. The, the only one that like is pretty threatening, and which is why it gets all the fucking news, is the white nationalist, white supremacist, which um, is prevalent there because yeah. everyone leaves each other alone. Right, everyone leaves each other alone, and it's a it's a, a place where they feel like they can provoke people because everyone's fucking so safe. You know what I mean? Yeah, which agitates that aspect. Sure. Totally. I gotta go make sure my chicken's not. I'll put this on pause. Once. I'll take this out too. We're back. Very much You're so. back. Uh, how's the weather with you? Is it too hot? It's way too hot today. How is it? Well, I should ask, I guess, where are you from? What weather are you used to growing mm-hmm. up? Well, I mean, in San Francisco, where I was there for fucking God, eight years, um, you have to always dress in layers. Like That's it, where you really grew up, you think? I mean, that's where that's why I identify the most. I have, I have multiple San Francisco tattoos. Like like that, that that's the place where I identify the most. I mean, I, I went to, I lived in New York as a kid for six years. I lived in Memphis. I lived in St. Paul, and I lived abroad. Um, Where's St. Paul? Then, uh, right next to uh, Minneapolis. Okay. The Twin Cities. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. So these are all cold areas, relatively. I mean, New York gets cold, but it also gets very hot. Yeah, Me- Memphis does get cold, but it also does gets not look hot scorching hot. And they have, they have stories about how hot it is. And in my, my head, it's always winter and snowing. Oh, and bro, it, it gets ugh, it gets scorching hot. Yeah, watch yourself a Spike Lee movie, like fuck, bro. Oh, yes, that's yeah. right, a Spike Lee. Mm. Oh, that's another conversation. That's another conversation. Spike Lee movies. That's okay. That's another conversation. Hmm. Let's, we're, we're, I, I want to talk about your uh, your experience in LA. How long have you been in LA then? I've been in LA for. I guess six weeks. That's it. You never been to LA. Before. Seven weeks. Uh, I tried out LA. Uh, I was gonna going to move to LA, but I ended up moving back to New York after San Francisco. Um, but I, within two months, um, my my girlfriend and I were having a lot of problems. My my ex and um, I got both my motorcycle stolen and my car broke down within okay. two months of being there. with the girl. And I was just kind of like ah. Something's I think not we right need here. a different thing. I think this might have been the wrong move. She was also from here. Is from here still? She still exists. So that's, that's see, okay, so <laughs> LA personality has its has its nuances, but sometimes it ain't got no nuances, and it's strictly bad. It's just like uh, like whatever the, uh, uh, the 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 part of the spectrum of bad things that could happen. Spoiled LA just happened. Was she or was she um, like uh, no? Just uh, I mean, yeah. LA? There's, I, I, there's different. It, it's modes. hard to say that she was spoiled LA because the thing is, when I think of spoiled LA, I think of Hollywood Hills, Beverly Hills, like sort of like very bougie. Because uh, those people can be nice. I'm saying. Oh, for sure. Um, no, she was she was pretty like middle of the road, working class, middle class. Which has its own bed. Yeah, it's bitter almost. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, her dad. Uh, her dad was her dad was a cop. So I mean, her dad didn't bring in six figures, but it's not like he had like one of those jobs where he could be like fucking like. you know, uh, higher than now about it at all. Even though he tried, it was it was still like one of those like, uh, 
nothing special about what you're doing kind of jobs, and people typically hate you. Kind good of <laughs> parent and cop can be in the same sentence. I don't know that it, no. unless one was killing the other. You know, good no. cop and, and good parent are just seemingly two different things. If you're a good cop, you have no time to be a good parent because you're focusing on being a good cop. It just takes that much energy out of you. If you're a bad yeah. cop, odds are you're a great parent because you're providing for your kid, but you're not there for your kid. You're not guiding your kid. Who knows what your kid's going to be? It's going to be a fucking hodgepodge of whatever he winds up with. I don't know how good a kid can come from a good cop, even, let alone you know, a cop. She has a lot of insecurities because of the fact that her dad is a cop and because her parents were the way that she was, the, they were. But now you kind of got me thinking a little bit. Well, what's the mom doing? Was mom mom stay was mostly at, at home. Worked at yes. a school and shit like that for a okay, little bit good. here and there. That's I was like, um, Worked but, at schools. What, what aspect? Administration? Uh, no, like like the like teaching, like 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 a uh, substitute teaching, and like. Um, Did you meet her mom? Was she cool? Oh yeah, well, well this is the I, I was engaged with this woman. I, I, oh okay, I, we, so you're we, that close. We dated for five years. Um, yes, that's very. And close. so we we moved four different places together. So I mean, yeah. I, so you knew her parents pretty good too. Yeah, her, I mean, to the point her parents and my parents hung out a couple of times. Like, well, um, that's another question. How do you view your parents? Do you think they're dope people, reliable people, good people, or bad people? I think they're good people. Um, That's great. They they just um, reliable. Well, no. Most of Each the time, one being a different thing. I don't think you'd be a good parent necessarily reliable. I don't think you'd be a reliable parent necessarily good. And the other stuff that I mentioned before, it was so long ago. Sure. But now we're at the part where you're in LA. You had a, well, no, was that in LA? You had a bad relationship. You had your motorcycle stolen. Yeah, yeah, and my car was broken. Uh, got broke down. But uh, broke fucking. Down. Yeah, no, I mean, I came down here thinking to ourselves, like, we thought that, okay, we need to go uh, somewhere else up to San Francisco. We need to find something else to do. Like, I, I made, met this girl in San Francisco. Uh, I wanted to go to New York initially, but she's like, I don't want to fucking go to the cold. I'm like, all right, for sure. Um, but then Wait, I, what did you hear about cults then? Because <laughs> cults is a, an interesting subculture of L.A. that I, I'm still unfamiliar with, but I've heard enough stories. Oh, no, 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 she didn't want to go to the cold. The cold in New York. is so then, not a cult. So then we ended up coming down here. And then, because uh, okay, like see. there was opportunities for me down here. Um, okay, what were you working at? Coffee? Uh, no, no, no. I was working in publishing. Um, so as a uh, under a publisher? No, no, no. So I was working as an editor, and I was uh, doing a lot of journalism at that point. Reading other people's works. Editing, copy editing. And yeah. writing for? Uh, I was writing for a couple different journals. Uh, I was writing for the New Life Review. I was writing for the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, I was writing for the SF Weekly. Um, Good work, Fox like, you know, healthful work. Political, political journalism. Um, yeah, I mean, when um, so for instance, when it all went down in Ferguson, um, yeah, they, they flew me out there and I got to cover that. Now, remind me, what so, year was that? 2012, I believe. Okay, wow. I was thinking mm-hmm. 16, 12. See, I knew it was outside of yeah. my fucking range. Of, it seems like. Black Lives Matter has been happening for so long that I was against it, I was for it, and then I'm way for it now. Past right. to the point of even thinking it's going to make a difference, but that's another conversation. Sure. Ferguson happened, and then what? Well, they sent me out there to cover it, and like that was the first time that I've ever seen... Um like a, a politics in action? Wow, no, no, I've definitely seen politics in action, but it was more so like that was the first time I've ever seen a Midwest city for its how racist it can be. Yes, like St. Louis. Worse. St. Louis is the most racist place I've ever been in my entire life. Ferguson's a suburb of St. Louis. But then you saw it at its worst. What would have happened? You think if you'd seen it six years before? You know, like being like Portland, where there's subcultures of racism, but Portland, you can show up, have a good time, leave, and not think anything bad of it. It seems mm. like especially then, Ferguson was a bad time 
to be taking in the best of what they have to offer, you know? Well, but the thing about Ferguson, the reason why the shit went down in Ferguson in general was because fucking... Um, because things are so bad. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the two top employers in the town were uh, Walmart and the city law enforcement. Jeez, okay. And in order for the city law enforcement to get their paychecks, they had to be able to actually breach quotas. Yes, to where well, they, they could actually, like... I'm familiar with quotas here, but uh, it was bad then. Well, they have to do enough to justify their own job, essentially. That's, that's what it all comes down to. In that order to like keep cops. their job, they have to justify their job. That sounds and, like cops here in L.A. And so what you do is you go to a neighborhood where you think that people are already struggling because there's no fucking jobs anywhere else. Right, because right, everyone's right. already got all the jobs at the You Walmart. know all the bad news is in this area because they're and broke. Then you just go fuck with them because they're yes. already having a hard time. And so you know they're probably going to go to other lengths. So to, you'll meet your quotas. So like, you know, like when they go and steal a fucking pack of gum, you fucking beat their ass and put them in a car. I think that was the Eric Garner thing. No, no, not Eric Garner. Uh, the last one, George Floyd. Mm-hmm. That's George Floyd it was a, stealing some minor shit. No, no, not even that. It was over. a uh, fucking. It was a supposedly counterfeit twenty dollar bill, and it, they don't yes. even know if it was counterfeit. That's right. We they, didn't they, even know. We don't even. Right. They don't even know. We don't even <laughs> yeah. Which is sad. You think cops were like in the movies, and they want to know all the truth before the truth. And it's like, no, no, it's got so bad that the truth doesn't even matter anymore. You shouldn't have gone that far. Never was about that. Yeah. That's. So you're a journalist, especially. You're on the ground zero. Had you reached anything that serious in your life? Like, I know there's... Because there's seriousness happening before them. There's seriousness happening after them. But then it got even wider spread, which makes it seem more serious. But it's always been serious. You see what I mean? I mean, I've always had a fundamental agitation with the police. Like, I've always grown up with the agitation of the police. Like, I've grown up with the notion when something goes wrong in the neighborhood, you don't call the police. Yes. Like, I've, I've always known that the yeah. police are up to no good. Um, it's, it's just, it's become a much more of a widespread knowledge at this point. Would you agree that something you grew up learning, knowing, thinking? Like, that's something you learned, you're hardwired with as a young kid? Like, I'm hardwired to know that. I know that. That's true. You don't call the police. But then I've been also so disconnected and so in a rather nice area, not a nice area, rather enough nice area to know I'm going to call the police because I've seen enough movies to think that they're going to save me. Not watching the news. You see, I'm coming from a place where I'm not watching the news on a daily basis. I'm watching The Simpsons. Sure. And then I'll turn off the TV. Sure. I'm growing up in a time before the nowadays, before the internet really struck. Mm-hmm. And you know, the police shit. are going to help you. Yeah. Cops. I've seen cops. You know, They're in it for the good things because I haven't seen the bad stuff. I'm not watching cops because it's entertaining to me. I'm watching cops because it's on TV. It's, right. uh, you've got these ideas. You know they finally took that show off? But for this good reason that yeah. I didn't even see before. That's the thing about the... I, we're talking about this before. New terms. Wokeness is a sure. new term to me. And a new concept. And it means so much. It, it makes me rationalize the other things that I would normally fight them against. But thinking, you know what? Maybe they think they know something I don't. Because they got hindsight. And I don't have that's the hindsight. A, I'm nostalgic. That's a good thing, though. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yes, to have that sort but of... it's especially a good thing when you know what's going on. It sucks when you're hardwired to defend your nostalgia. You're thinking, man, I grew up with cops. There's nothing wrong with cops. Fuck you for thinking cops. Because you're you're not thinking. You're hung up. You're hung up on the notions that what you know is right and that's that. As opposed to, well, I just happen to grow up with punk music and Bob Dylan fucking all these things that happen to wake, like, I mean, I think that what it comes down to, like, like let, let's, let's just be honest here. Like, I mean, I didn't grow up in the hood. Like, I grew up not in, I grew up in the inner city, but I didn't grow up in the hood. Um, you know, um, and, uh... But there was this fundamental disconnect that maybe I didn't ever have bluntly told me to me, but like it was just obvious that like 
those people who were nice to cops and called the cops and the cops protected in the movies, those weren't me. Those weren't my parents. Those weren't. That wasn't my neighborhood. That wasn't the, those people. Like the, those were other people. When I watched those '90s movies and those early 2000s movies and those TV shows that put cops in this sort of like, you know, civil soldier type of light. Yes. Like the good the, versus bad, but the cops are the good. The people who they're, they're helping never were people I could ever identify with. Right. And this isn't. This isn't necessarily a. Um, it is, but it's not necessarily a color thing. Like a, it's no. not necessarily a race thing. It's a, just more a so like a. It's hard to talk about America anyway. Yeah, it's not necessarily that, uh, but, but it, it is that. But for for me personally, mm-hmm. because I am a, I'm a mixed individual. Like I, um, I think it just has to do with the fact that like um, I looked at those movies as being like Hollywood representations of something that actually doesn't exist. Hollywood not being the town you're familiar with, even right? Because you're growing up where. At that point, it's in San Francisco. Right. When I was I'm, thinking about how, in, when I was in grade school, and they told us about, and I went to Catholic school. I think I addressed this the first time we met. I went to Catholic mm-hmm. school. They told us about Martin Luther King, and mm-hmm. my best friend at the time was my neighbor who was black. And I remember thinking after that day, oh, I wonder if this guy knows about this fucker. And then all of a sudden, I started seeing my neighbor as a as a different color and some someone who's familiar with events that are even not even his time but just of his color because they sold him that way. I was I mean I think this is a fault of the teachers and shit like that, but that's carrying away from the idea that I didn't see a color first and then I mm. saw the color. Mm-hmm. And then how recently I learned that scientifically race isn't even a, the, the fact. It's no, a, it's it's, a, it's an opinion mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. It's an overblown opinion. It's a social qualification. It's a um God, well, it's a it's a categorization. It's a it's a it's a metaphor. It's a way for their brains to, like, um, rationalize rationalize something we don't know how to rationalize. It's it's, it's and dealing with the other dealing with different brainwash too. Like yeah. it's 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 imposing these ideas subtly enough so that we don't even realize they're being imposed on us. So suddenly, you know, can I say the word nigger? Oh yeah, I can because my Cypress Hill did it, and they're brown. I'm brown. I could fucking say it. So I got fucking. I grew up with people who were brown and they have the right to say nigga when the song is in, in it mm-hmm. and white people who grew uncomfortable saying when it got to the end where they would just not you know smile politely mm-hmm. and fucking shake their arms and shit sure. and so the interpretation of what race is is all of a sudden an issue but it was an issue not that we were racist but that we adopt and so therefore this is where the woke and the new terms come in it's right to not say the words you know that that, that we used to say not it's right to to um, reevaluate ourselves, you know, and, re- and being grown up in a place uh, in time that told us something else. I mean, I could, I makes, I could fucking what, what's the fucking term in idiocracy? I can, uh, I don't remember if they say I can Carl's Jr. with that or something like that. That's funny. But you know what I mean? They, they, but people nowadays can like can not always get it, which is sad, but it can get it. But they take it too far, which is also sad. Let's have that conversation. Because I find that conversation to be interesting. Well, um, let's get your perspective. Well, I mean, I think that... Um, I think that there needs to be a very substantial distinction being made between um, that which we accept to be a... Um, how do I put it? Um, appropriate... 
um, like media and celebrity influence versus how we um, think to be uh, appropriate for individuals. So for example, we're all very imperfect people who are trying and learning and understanding situational things, right? And thus, we do need to be held accountable for the hateful things we do, the shitty things we do, the ignorant things we do, but we're also individuals learning. And But when you have people who are of influence, celebrities, politicians, media people, um, what have you, teachers, um, cops, yes. things like that who have influence and power? Thing, yeah, who have influence and power, and then they um, do those kinds of things, they should be held to task at a higher degree. And then if they don't actually fucking like, do anything to change that, like have some sort of reparative action, then they should be... F that. That's when canceling should come in, in my opinion. You're talking about meritocracy. I don't think that cancel culture is healthy right now, as it is. But it's a fact. But I do think that there does come a point where it's like, okay, if you're not going to learn your lesson, fuck you. Get, get out of here. You know what I mean? You should expect repercussions for your actions. Yeah, totally. So let me, let me give you two examples. Um, when Louis C.K. was called out for his shit... And he got basically canceled, more or less. He did nothing. He then went on stage and then kind of made fun of the fact that it happened to him. And then just... You mean the last special he did? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just basically made fun of the fact that that all happened to him. He did no reparative action, no restorative action, nothing. You know what I mean? Because that's politics. Right. Whereas you get somebody like, uh, uh, for example, like... Uh, would be a good, good example. Someone, yeah, like, fell like, under the, the like like Aziz would be one, I guess. Yes, he isn't hated like he, like others have been in this situation because really? I thought he was actually a bigger victim because Louis C.K. had a personality before he was shot upon outside of the culture, like he shot so hard upon that the weight of the shit pushed him out of the culture, right. and he's always had enough personality to have. To know he's got a place in the culture regardless. And he used that as leverage. Totally. Aziz, and this falls into the material. I think Louis C.K.'s material was coming from a more secure place, a better place. In my mind, a funnier place. Whereas Aziz's stuff was never, never to me funny or accessible oh. or any of that. Because he was preaching a subculture within the society. Where when they shat him out of the culture, he didn't have enough weight behind him to make something of himself in the culture so he's disappeared whereas mm -hmm. Louis C.K. has a, a even a website where he sure. charges people and he gets he's, sure. he's got a system outside the system Aziz never had a, enough creativity he was adapting everybody he was playing the game but, but, but I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that C.K. is never going to come back in the way he was but he has nowhere to... He doesn't have to. Of course he, he doesn't have to. He has a place. Sure, sure, sure. Aziz what doesn't have a place at all Right, but, he, but, but people, like, they don't talk shit about him anymore. Well, let's go to a crazier place. Kevin Spacey. He's done. You see. Now, what's the difference between Kevin Spacey and Aziz and Louis C.K.? Well, they're all three different actions. I mean, Aziz had what was sounded like... Um, a bad day. A bad That's day. That's With... Some fucking power transgressions. That's yes. It. Well, what, who's power? Who's got the one? Who's the one with the power? Aziz. Yeah. Is the one with the power. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's like it's it's a bad date. Because women have with, power too, man. For sure, it's a bad day with misplaced power transgressions, and he should be held yes. to task for that. But the thing is, is that that's 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 literally all that happened. 
It wasn't yes. a rape. It wasn't a fucking like. No, it didn't seem. It, 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 it wasn't especially from her point of view too, which sucks. Right. And it wasn't using power to fucking like uh, gain something. It was just no. Right. You're right. Then then you have Louis C.K. who undeniably was using power um, for uh, whatever the fuck he wanted to do. No, I thought it was just jerking off in front of women, mm. but he asked first. As much as he didn't wait for full approval, which sure. was one of the jokes that he, he made. He right. was like, if you're gonna, if you ask and she says it's okay, still don't do it. Right. Like, it's just the idea that, like, permission once is not enough. Permission twice is maybe enough, but even then it's a conversation to have and it's, so it's a, it's, okay, it's that. And then Kevin Spacey. Well, Kevin's he laid in front, he laid on top of a teenage boy, right? I mean, that, that should, these are just, this is an indifferent entire well, Ballpark from the aspect of, of the three culture. of them being celebrities, cancel and, culture, and yeah. being, yes, mm-hmm. cancer culture. Mm-hmm. To me, the way Kevin Spacey can't come back, I understand. The way Aziz was pushed out was shitty, and the idea of Louis C.K.—he doesn't have to come back. He has more than enough without coming back. Mm. Woody Allen doesn't have more. I think Woody Allen's more in the air, in the in the arena of uh, Aziz. As much as the actions that put him in their place are different, as much as that's true, the. Uh, Reaction from the people is the thing that really matters. There's people still in the mainstream who have done really shitty things that are still getting merit that they don't deserve. Weakest example I can think of, the, the, the fucking, you know, uh, Trump, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Grabbed by the pussy and he's elected for presidency. Mm-hmm. And then he does the shittier stuff and he's still up in president. He's fucking canceled literally as a president because he's impeached, but he still went president. I don't understand how that logic fucking works. Mm-hmm. But... Here's a person who should be in the cancel culture, but fucking fell out of it. Louis C.K. is another one who fucking in the cancel culture, but he's got his own thing going. Aziz was fucked, and I think, I think even emotionally, they fucking crushed him. Mm-hmm. And it sucks, because Aziz wasn't a bad guy, that bad. I mean, yes, because in the context of cancel culture, he was a bad guy. But, they, I mean, he was... He had a bad date, and girls fucking killed him, and he didn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he hasn't come back since Master of None. You know, he doesn't come back from Master of None. I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing too about him is that Master of None in his book, uh, Modern Romance, were all about trying to fall in love in your 20s and 30s. And it's just kind of like... Being a good thing or bad thing? No, being a good thing, but being a different thing and a curious thing, you know? And so for, for this to happen to him kind of thwarts his whole fucking... Persona? His whole persona, his whole identity within, identity. Pop, within pop culture. You know well, what I mean? his identity being, let's clarify, from I think it's bro culture. It's bro but it's, I think it's also kind of, how do I put it? Um, it's left over from the Judd Apatow, sort yeah. of like, um, like kind of the underdog bro. Yeah. That makes sense? I like, like, like you're not fucking, like, you definitely aren't uh, Ben Affleck. No, because that's a de- right. yeah, that's one of the guys that like Trump. He's still accessible, but he's right. done really shitty things, and it's yeah. recorded. But he's still right. Batman. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's not anymore. But well, yeah, um, right. But I'm sure he's still well. Okay, yeah. moving still sticking into the thing. Mm. Aziz, yeah, that's a cancel culture is toxic thing. But I think it's too beyond us. It's like politics. As much as we can sh- we can talk shit about it, it's it's a fact. It's mm-hmm. something that's persistent, regardless of what we say about it. Whereas cancer culture, I think even I could say, I mean, I don't know, you could probably fight this. Cancel culture, I think, is over. I think the worst that cancel culture has done is is past. And now cancel culture is a is a not a meme, because memes are still persistent. Right. But it's it's something of a passe, which is sad. It's true, because it, it was it did good. Fuck, I mean, the, the, the fact that they toppled uh, Harvey Weinstein is, sure. is good. Huge, yeah. It's pure, so, utter goodness. But... 
I think it's to extent it's it's spoiled itself. It's gone. It's killed bad people that they shouldn't have killed. It's 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 done enough bad that people can discount it, and it sucks because it's it's uh, it it was doing so well. I think that it's lost its steam. Yes. Um, and here's an example of why. Um, are you familiar with the uh, like kind of folk punk artist uh, Sun Kill Moon? Yeah. You've heard of him before? Mark Mark Hosaic? What happened? Uh, he was just like two or three days ago. I, I got I was looking through different music blogs. Eventually got to Pitchfork, and I typically look at the, the first two or three things, and I'm like, okay, and then move on to the next thing. But the first thing was uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I'm going to go for it. Like Mark Kalzaic, from my okay. that, right. um, was accused by three different women of um, rape. Okay, I heard um, about Burger Records. But that was bad too. You see, but that, that, that's more of like Sun a Kill Moon, though. But yeah, being like coming from a, like a, a harmless perspective, that's right. even worse almost. Right, right, and he actually even had songs that were like specifically addressing his toxic relationships with women. Right. Right. So then it's like, um, but the thing is, I didn't even read the fucking article. I read the headline. The headline. And then I was just kind of like, uh and then I just kind of kept going. Yes. And then I think that that's why yes. cancel culture has lost its steam because I don't, I'm no longer, I don't care. I'm like, I'm just like, I do care. And now when yeah. I listen to his music, I'm going to be like, well, that's kind of tainted. Um, but outside of that, like, I'm not going to fucking, like, I, I'll probably still listen to his music, but like, literally, that's that's kind of where it stops. It's literally okay, that's tainted, and then that's it. Like, what else am I supposed to do about this? Like, am I am I supposed to go change my life because this motherfucker like did his thing, and you guys are reporting on it as the fucking top story right now? Like, I'm not trying to say that this isn't a big deal because it is, and those voices should be heard. But at the end of the fucking day, like, what what do you what do you by reporting on this by reporting on this and putting it as the top headline for three days? What am I? Learning. What am I? What are we learning? What are we gaining? What's the? What's I've the, uh, known this stuff happens. What, now what? What's the? Exactly. What's the now what? And that that that's what we're at with cancel culture now, is like there's no and, the, and it's you know whose fault it is, it's it's um, it's 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 the journalists more than anything. It's it's, it's journalism yes. not not being able to find, yeah. um, a way to, uh, take something that they're critical of, and push it to a new thing. I think it ties to Americanism being mm. capitalism. Mm. The idea that news is not funded by the government the way the police department and the fire department is. The idea that news has to make its money by selling ads oh, yeah. means all of a sudden it's a company. So someone's got to take over the company. So more and more corrupt people take over. Mm-hmm. And we're at the point where even like fucking Donald Trump can call the New York Times, someplace who used to be reliable. Mm-hmm. For news, a uh, Walter Cronkite of print is all of a sudden derided as a fa- what is it? A failing New York Times. And while most of us can scoff at that, being like that's stupid, other people can go, yeah, it is stupid. Is like like they they sure. jump on board with it. Bandwagonism in America is is something we don't talk about, mm-hmm. and it it ties into and this is just to put it in a more baser terms. Growing up, hipsterism. When I was growing up and hipster music was bad music, I would lucked out in listening to this guy's music and this guy's music, and I like them both with enough merit. So I can listen to punk music, but I can also listen to hipster music, quote-unquote, yeah. and think, I like this stuff, I don't like this stuff. I like this stuff, I don't like this stuff. Mm-hmm. When it comes to uh, hipsterism, it seems like people are mi- at some point mixed up hipsterism with scenesterism. People jumping on board with a thing because it's cool, not because it's... A hipster thing to do. A hipster thing to do being, in my mind, a 50s thing. Something you're ahead of the game. You're ahead of the game. 
You know things because they're good, and other people just don't get it yet, but they will. And then they do, and then therefore you're, you've got you you know, you're all the right. Yeah, but it comes I mean, with the hindsight. People, Scenesterism being something that it's just like people jump on board because it's, everyone else is listening to it. Why not? And then, I mean, it's the idea that it's a subculture, but it should be tied to everything else. News. Talking about a subject because, oh, people are going to read it. They're going to, it's clickbait. People are going to read it because it's interesting. This fucking, uh, you know, this, this rape culture thing as a news item as opposed to something that needs to be, something people need to know this. Journalism coming from a place of like, people need to know this so that they can do something about it. Because I know people have it. There's a movie called, uh, uh, James Stewart is in it. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yeah, it's a great I film. I love that That's movie. That's a good movie. Yeah. And I know this girl who hates that movie and I get why she hates it because she's like, That's not America. And I'm like, I know, but that's what I want America to be. Sure. And here's an ideal, and why don't we build to that, you know? There's a reason those movies exist. I mean, I'll say a few things here. I mean, mean, one, I would say that it's much easier to not only sell hate, but also to hate something than it is to like something. Okay. It just is. Like, it's much, much easier to, like, look at something, think about your life, think about how fucked up your day is, think about all the things you have to deal with, look at the news and be like, oh, fuck. Yeah, God. It's much, much easier to do that. And so, like, these these advertisers, these media companies have a much easier time uh, getting views and, like, continuing that scroll down of the fucking, like, cell phone because people identify with that negativity much, much more yes. than, like, a positive sort of, uh, you know, experience. They just do. Sure. Like, we're, we're, we're a depressed fucking people, you know? Um, we're depressed, we're anxious, and, like, that what that does is that that shows us some form of, like, mass-scale solidarity. You know what I mean? Um, so I mean, like it, 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 it makes it, it makes us feel validated. It gives us like some sort of feeling of an identity of just being shit. If that makes sense. It does. And then se- secondly, I'll say that um, in terms of um, how do I put it, um, the you, you were talking about movies. You were talking a about, million things. Talking about um, negativity, really, in America. Negativity in America. Yeah, well, negative negativity sells, and like I think that like that, that we haven't found a way to. I mean, blogs have started to do that. Uh, we've been able to give like more a variety of messages and a personal like output that gives people a little bit more of a uh, maybe not a positive outlook, but something that's a little more nuanced to what they what they want. But the but the, but the but the but the problem, the problem with that is that 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 is so minuscule compared to the mass barrage of negative, fake, fucking like comments and news and shit on Facebook and on Reddit and everywhere that just like safe to call it bullshit. Yeah, for sure. And like, and the thing is, is that like, one thing that I didn't realize, and like, I, I and I've been hearing the whole fake news thing for fucking ever. Like, and I, yeah. it kind of sounds ridiculous, and I just hate hearing I, it. I hate that it's, it it's sounds just, ridiculous because it's still a very true thing. It's a true thing, but it's but it's been misconstrued. It's been misconstrued. But the, the thing that I, I I didn't realize until recently, because I, I don't get on Facebook very often, but I do every now and then, and I I realized that people just post anything as if it's news. They post any article they find as if it's news. Yeah. Like, 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 there, there no longer is like. I mean, okay, here, okay. Full stop. CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, these big fucking media companies, New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times for sure. All this shit, like, you know, all these shit are, are, are they're, they're, they're in the, the, the fucking like banks of like. 
they're in the fucking like you know they're in the fucking wallets of all these big corporations. They're for sure like only giving one specific type of worldview. Don't get me wrong. I know that that's fucked up. I know that that's that like. Well, what what is that world? Hold on. I mean, like it's it's a it's a. I would say it's like a neoliberal consensus consensus um, sort of like. Uh, you know, middle of the road, kind of conservative, capitalist defending point of view, right? Power defending kind of point of view. I know that that's problematic. However, now we get a lot of people on Facebook and what have you who are getting all types of other influences outside of that who they also think that that's news. And the thing is, those influences, even though, yes, they might be not the same fucking corporate machine as the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, sure. They might actually be more fucked up and more violent. They might even be, be more fucking hateful and more shitty. Not yet. Um, so I think that why why, why? Well, because I, mean, it, I see what you're saying. You're saying they're more sinister. Even. Totally. Like, not yeah. that consciously so, but no, no. Sometimes consciously so. Okay. Shoot. Why? Sometimes consciously so. I mean, like if you have an entire base of people who aren't ready to accept the fact that what somebody is telling them as news isn't actually real, or is done in a way to. Uh, coerce or co-opt what their uh, you know their 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 agency as a citizen, mm-hmm. you know then then fucking like um, of course all these companies are gonna like they're gonna like take advantage of that like like let's sell them fucking gun rights let's sell them on Obama's fucking uh, Muslim let's sell them on fucking Kamala they're already doing it with Kamala Harris right now. I know Kamala Harris has a lot of problems, but like the fact that we're two days into her vice presidency and they're already saying that she's not a citizen. Like, she's not born here. What the fuck is that? Like, in the there's, there's actual shit that she's done that right. you can use against her, mm-hmm. but you'll come up with this bullshit that'll somehow sell harder. And people on Facebook are going to be like, oh, wow, I heard that Kamala Harris isn't actually born in America. Can she actually be? Like, that's already no, happening. Dude, there's worse It's than already that, happening. It's than fucking that, ridiculous. Like, worse than that, there's people that are actually saying that's a fact. It's I know. Way, that's the sad thing is that she was born in it. Oakland, fucking California. Yeah. Five hours that way. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is there that way? What the fuck is that, you know? Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I, that's you trying to grasp at, uh, at straws, isn't it? I mean, like, not me, you no, personally, no. but you as a citizen, as someone who, actually, even the press, who knows better. The culture is so big that despite all the righteous things we know, all our arguments... There's enough people to drown us out. But I think that this is kind of what um what fucking um, me, me and him were talking about last night. Uh, we, we, we were talking about... Verhoeven. Uh, we, we, <laughs> I love Verhoeven. But we were talking about uh, fucking um, how, like, with, 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 with the death of God, with the, the absence of... Um, death of God. We can put that on time because it was on Time magazine. That was in the 70s, 80s, 90s? What was that? I mean, I'm, I'm referring to the Nietzschean, like, 19th century... Sort of like wow, the actual death. Like, see, so, yeah. see what, what I want. When think, doubt started coming in the conversation, I guess what I'm trying to say it's not even so much necessarily a religious conviction. So much as our social systems are no longer predicated on like the a, death of God. Yeah, is another conversation. It's probably. no longer predicated on a moral conviction that's in within scripture. That's within outside of our our, yes. our shit. Like it's it's instead based it's on adopted. something else. Yeah. It's based off. So our, our moral systems right now are fundamentally based off uh, property, resources, and capital. The, are they not all capital? I mean, they're both—they're all capital, but like I, to be more specific, I would say property and resources. Um, okay. Just because the thing is, is that like um, it makes it clear. Yeah, and commodities. But I mean, regardless, yeah, um, commodities. Oh like all, all our systems are, are predicated on that now. But the thing is, you can't really create it. You will you, not really can you not really, but you you you. First off, you can't really create. Well, it. Shouldn't you? Well, shouldn't you? You can't create a system of morals through that. And then if you oh. tried, 
it's going to be a it's going to be a failed and fucked up system of morals. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's like I think a lot of us really uh, we uh, we have a hard time with. Um, Having a sense of moral agency and moral agency is the key word. It's going right. two times now. Agency is something people are moral agency and moral pragmatism that we're just we're we're, we're, we're look we're grasping we're looking for it. You know what I mean? We want we're, it. We want it. And, and it's not just you and me. It's it's not just our no, our generation. Like no, I don't yeah. know how old you are, but you, like it's yeah. like thirty-two. Okay, so I'm twenty-eight. Very similar generation. So it's like it's. Uh, I would say like even the fucking like people who were born in the '60s, born in the '50s, like they still are grasping at this shit, right? Like yeah. they, they don't have it because. They, no. they, and this is kind of why I think in like the late '60s, the idea of like, and I know it sounds very cliche. I know it sounds very cliche. Cliches and gonna, are usually true. And you're not gonna catch me with this fucking like you know these these types of buttons and stickers and shit like that. But what I will say is that like when they're saying like free love. No war, no violence, these kinds of things. These are moral fucking convictions that are not um, bound within systematic um, mainstream. Right? Yeah, you can you can like that, in a weird way. Like even though that that's very vague in general, and no, it isn't. It's very specific yeah. somehow. Exactly, and so I think I think there's something to be gained in supporting yeah. something like that. You know, because well, I, I find that to be like what? well, I find that to be a direct systematic. Moral um, resistance to because uh, I mean capitalism, commodities, resources, it, it all uh, pre- is predicated on the concepts of scarcity, accumulation, and um, uh, fucking um, privatization. Like privatization. Yeah, so all three of these things are and in, are inherently part of what capital in our system is telling us. What's how the system works? This is how you interact with the world. Yeah. And this is also how you interact with people. Yeah. And there's no room for love in those three things. Those three things, there those is. three things are violent. Worse than those that are violent too. concepts. I mean, it wouldn't know? be so bad if they were violent, if they mm-hmm. were straight up. But they're not. They're selling it as something more convoluted right. so that you think you know what's going on when in actuality you don't fathom the start of the tip of the iceberg. It's all bullshit. I mean? Yeah. It's uh, it's so embedded in us what we know right. that we don't have a chance to think. I mean, the thing is that marketing. I, I studied marketing for a bit, and like the thing is like marketing agencies and shit like that, like have been basically have adopted fucking like the 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 fucking study of human psychology to be able to, to manipulate the fucking consumer public. You know, so it's just like well, we we all they are. It down to a science. And, what and, are the principles again? I mean, there's a lot, and it's developing. Well, the principles of what? No, go ahead. Go consumer ahead. behavioral psychology, like how yeah. to influence people, or that kind of thing. Well, I was so I was there for free love. I got distracted, and I came back talking about principles and how it's sort of like gone wrong under capitalism. Well, well, I mean, okay. So what I will say is this: is that like when systems are created to mirror what we see in human behavior, but then human behavior and change also um, mirrors those systems. So we have this sort of boom, 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 boom going on. It's a right? give and take. It's a give and take. So then when you had people in like the 1930s, 1940s, like descendants of Freud, rather than getting into human psychology and all these like, uh, you know, more... Uh, Esoteric forms of studying, like mythology and history and what have you, they instead took that knowledge and applied it to market research. And the thing is, is that what they did is they essentially said, okay, we can understand how to sell things to people. But the thing is, that process of selling things to people 
um, not only made it so then those people um, bought their products, but then that became uh, a mirrored sense of reality for those people. So then their kids... And it dilutes like, the product. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's why we get crap. Like, that's why we have such crap. Well, but like, yeah. you know, it's like, well, going to what you're saying, it reminds me of J.D. Salinger, the way he would write about people talking about, phonies. oh, you need, you need psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. Well, the way he talks about it is because in the culture then, in the 50s, yeah. people were talking about psychotherapy like something you could do as a fashion thing. Not as a fashion thing consciously, but as a fashion thing mm-hmm. like it's the only way to get help because it's fashionable. Uh, being the subtitle is because it's fashionable. The main thing being Freud. It's just a product. Freud. Sure. You no, know, it's not Jung. So like, it's not Jungian. It's not Freudian. No, right. it's Freud. You're right. getting the product Freud. You're the product. Therefore, help. I mean, you're not getting Jung the 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 you know the, the goodness. You're getting Jung the name. You're you know it sucks because Jung's got so much good shit. Yeah. He's a better Freud in my mind. He's the more I would say he's accessible. Different. Freud. How's that? He's accessible, yeah, but I would say he's different. I mean, I, I like both for different reasons. I hate both for different reasons, but... Um, Wait, let's get to why you hate Freud, then. Oh. Freud being the one I could probably easily relate to. I don't like Freud. Just because he seems to, uh, to put it lightly, hipster. He just seems to, like, people like Freud. I know enough Freud to know what Freud is, but I love, I like Carl Jung better. But I have yeah. a negative thought about Carl Jung, so well, that's another day. Let's talk about what your opinion on Freud is. I mean, I guess I would only say that Freud suffers from the same thing that, like, most people of his generation suffered from, which is this this notion of um, not realizing um, the own ego he was putting into his own work, not realizing that the worldview that he was painting out. I mean, like, the guy, the guy was a fucking misogynist. He was a misogynist. Yes, he was but a that's sexist. usually beside the point. I mean, Usually. it's not—it's not beside the point, and like, and, and it's I, not beside the point. It's not beside work the point because he was coming no. from a perspective. Of he was like, and like, just, just like, I don't think that you can, well, because you can thing. learn from Heidegger, but you don't fucking just totally say like, let's just ignore the fact that he had a systematic no, fucking like understanding of you Nazism. You can't say that, and I will, and I'll tell you why. Not that yeah. I'm saying I'll buy into it, but it's like the Woody Allen thing. I've seen enough Woody Allen movies to know I can separate the man from his work. Freud's ideas, the way it was sold to me, was dreams. He Here's this guy yeah. who looked into dreams. Mm-hmm. Misogyny doesn't come into that. I mean, necessarily, yet, because I haven't known enough. But I, yeah. me, as a, coming from a common sure. floor level, Freud being the guy who's selling me dreams, you look into your dreams, your dreams will tell you about your personality, therefore, why don't you go to a fucking ther- psychotherapist? They'll tell you what's going on with you because they know what's going on. They're the authority. Well, let me Freud, I think, is bad in the sense that he's an authority and you can't contradict him because he's right in that So he, here, here's what I'll, I'll, I'll say to you, and like I, I know that... Um yeah, this, 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 this might be a uh, reductionist, okay. but, but, but I'll go with it. You're in a safe space. You're sitting at the table like this, right? Fair. And Freud is sitting across from us. Okay. And Sigmund Freud, the man yes. that you've, uh, you know, studied some of his work, know, whose ideas I'm familiar with. You're familiar with, and like you, you have a, a conception of yes. a conception um, of who he is. Misconception no? as it is. But you have a conception of who he is. He's sitting there talking to you and telling his theories. He's telling you all about it, right? What are his theories? Doesn't fucking matter. Okay. He's sitting there and he's telling you all his, his his theories, just based off of your conception of who he is and his theories. And he's talking to you. As true as his theories might be, as he's talking to you, would you kind of think to yourself like, yeah, there's something about I don't know. There's something about this guy. I, I, I mean, like, okay, I, I hear I'll what you're you. saying. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, oh, oh, yeah. Like, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. I can I can answer that. Yeah. 
it's much like, and I think it boils down to my personality. Okay. I'm naive at heart, yeah. so therefore, I'm. I know what it is to allow anyone a right to ha- to be right. Now that said, by now I've grown enough, and this is where where I met Sam was around. The time I realized nice. my own personality. I now have the wherewithal to know if Freud was sitting there yeah. I would not go oh you're right and then stay quiet about the things I had doubts about sure I would pull out the doubts sure I have in my head to know for sure if I know my doubts are right because doubts because a part of my waking up to myself comes with the idea that I have three merits that I I'm not three merits three basically uh, maxims that I live by uh, embrace doom Chaos reigns, no limits, no control. And I only happen to have known that these things aren't just some bullshit, but some things that actually knew more than I did. Right, this is my card. Is he giving him my card? Passing around. It's a good card, I have it's more. It's a good card. But yeah, is that your only card? Oh, it's all I see. On, on my good, okay, good. so that's so Sam just pulled out my business card. On it, I've just realized is the embrace audience doom. can't see it. <laughs> but but on it is the word embrace doom because that's what I put on my first tape. Go show them the cover, the front. It's a that's my first that's cassette cool. tape because I couldn't title it what it was actually titled. I was like, this is more important to put on the cover. Yeah. But that was then. Like I didn't know much then. I just I stumbled upon those things. Sure. It, now I know enough to know he's going to... Freud, Sigmund Freud, is going to let me down. There's going to yeah. be a point where I'm not going to agree with him. But right. what is he saying and is he on to something is a good question and something I'm willing to pursue. But I've heard enough sh- negative shit about him. I was raised in a place where I'll allow for Sigmund Freud okay. and for Woody Allen and for uh, Kevin Spacey to be wrong. But their rights will not... Be uh, uh, shat upon by me. Louis so, K. So is another. One. Here, here's, here's, here's. Uh, well, I'll sum up my thing with Freud like this, because the sure. thing is, at the end of the day, like, um, I mean, full stop. I have been. I'm, I'm like years removed from my classes on Freud, and like, I, I don't have Freud sitting in front of me to be able to like look at. But what I will say is that um, every thinker who comes from their era, yes, unavoidably bases unavoidably even to this day yeah unavoidably will base the systems that they created because the thing about the, the 20th century and the late 19th century but the 20th century for sure too is like anytime anybody would create um, theories they would create systems of thought like whole systems whole wide ranging systems like but it's their own systems totally before it had had for I had theories about sexuality dreams neuroscience yeah. the world politics like yeah. all these things it's all combined in one thing and yeah. the thing is that all these things um are unavoidably um, based tied to, the tied to the systems around them. Yes. And thus, when I say that Freud was a misogynist, Freud was a racist, Freud was an anti-Semite, yes. all these types of sure. things, like I know that that sounds like it's beside the point. No, it isn't. But the thing is, at right. the end of the fucking day, it's, it's, it's one of those things that's like it's tied to his theories. It's one of yeah. those things where it's like if he isn't denying those things, yeah, they're inherent. Then they're in what inherent he's with what he's doing. You know yes, what I mean? And like, they're so, coming from a place that is bad. Totally, exactly. And so the, 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 this is the whole issue I have with that. It's, it's, it's like he is, because he, he, he does talk about race. He does talk about gender. He does talk about sexuality. Yes. He does talk about these things. Yes. And the thing is that the fact that he's not outright denying these ideas yes. means that he's kind of guilty of them. Yes. And so it's just kind he's of like... He's not self-aware. He's not self-aware. Well, and who could... I mean, most people weren't. So, I mean, like, that, most that's... Most people aren't. Most people aren't. And so, like, th- th- there is no fucking... Like, I, I'm not... 
No, I know. I think I see what you're saying. So, so, I've got notes about Freud. I mean, <laughs> it's too much to read, but fucking like, God. All, all I'm trying to say is that, like, yes, I think Freud is a very fucking important, I'll go in and say it, just blunt theorist from psychology to I literature to philosophy to what have you. Yes. But, like, he is also a man of his time. And by and yeah. because he went so in-depth with his shit, which was so important, As he's it is. actually more guilty of it yeah. <laughs> than others are because yeah. he didn't fucking, like... Yeah. But then this is where it comes in, where people just... And this is probably bad people I'm talking about. And I mean bad in the broadest sense. People don't cite their sources. So people who sold me Freud didn't read into Freud as well as they should have. So they sold me the good things. And then I was just happened to have knowledge enough not to subscribe to just anything. Sure. And only want to subscribe to things I'm familiar with. So therefore, I can, in fact, subscribe to Jung. But to the point where I don't know Jung's biography. Biographies are an, a very important part well, of people's ideas. Totally. So like we're exchanging Wittgenstein ideas, you right. and uh, me and Sam. And I know enough about Wittgenstein. I know enough about uh, Bertrand Russell sure. to be able to share them and know they're onto something. But right. yeah. with Freud, is not the same thing. Freud is so vague. Woody right. Allen, man, is so vague that right. I can that his merits are louder than his uh, than his points, and not that louder is better, but it, that it's louder. You know, I think what I yeah. mean. I, uh, me and Sam are in a band, and I've said before. And what was the line, Sam? Oh, it's um. <laughs> Playing louder doesn't make you better, but it makes you louder. So that yeah, idea huh? definitely ties into this. Like right. it, it doesn't. It's the same as society. Right. Whatever the voice like, and, and the the weird complicated thing now. I think the thing that convolutes everything is the internet, because people don't. People's sources are no longer newspapers who, in their own right, had to make sources available sure. in order to publish. Sure. Now that meritocracy is gone. So right. now if you publish something. You don't necessarily need a source if you have enough people on board. You with definitely your boat. don't. Yeah. So that's the danger. I mean, as much as you might be right about the negative things about Freud, my understanding of Freud isn't colored by that, which affects my understanding of Freud. Which I'm lucky enough to know that it's probably best not to fully subscribe to Freud. But there's people not as as uh, adventurous in their doubts. As I am. I mean, you probably shouldn't subscribe to much of anything like, when it comes down to, like, you know, these... I mean, at the end of the day, like, all we have is history. Yes. All we have is that history. That is a fact. All, that's all we have. Um, yeah, but, or but, hearsay. Yeah, but, but, at the, but at the same time, um, at the end of the fucking day, like... Um, we're trying to make sense. We're trying to make sense. So, I mean, like, and, like, the thing is that, you know, like, I, 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 like for instance, I, I'm... I mean, like, when it really comes down to it, like, you know, ethically and politically speaking, I'm kind of a Marxist. But the thing is, I would never say I subscribe to Marx. What are the Marxist ideas you like? You oh, do you like? Uh, we got to take a break before I do that. I guess we'll give it a second. One more then. break, and then we'll end it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's gonna be a big one. Uh, I'm gonna shoot. I cut it short there. We're gonna end it on on Verhoeven. <laughs> okay. So that we ended on a light note because this has been oh, unexpectedly you, heavy. Bear Hogan's not going to be a light note, though. That's a, that's a, that, could, that might tie right into Trust me, shit. it's a lighter note than what we've been addressing. Eh. Like, I'm just like looking at that, like, I can just go bam, bam, in. Don't That'd think about that. I've the thing had to is, do it before because, like, thing is, this right. is locked. If people wanted to break into your house, they're going to do it regardless of what you think could happen. They know how to pick a lock. You know what oh, I mean? No, no, no. I, I'm thinking, no, 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 no. I'm not thinking in terms of like um, people like home invasion. I'm thinking in terms of like um, if I'm a dumbass and I leave my keys in my room. 
Um, but that means you have access to it. Yeah. I'm saying this. Ideally, no one else will know. I'm happy about this. One time, I uh, <laughs> I broke out of my house because I didn't know to have keys. Right. Wait, you, to wait a second. Keys. So no, no, no. Hold, hold on. You broke out. One day when I was a little, who boy, was keeping you? Oh, I broke out. Boy, okay. Yes, I, I had to say that. for sure. I was like, what I the broke who's out keeping of my house you in? To, like, to hang out with my neighbor. Mm-hmm. This guy, this black kid named Lamar, who lived next door. Okay. I broke out of my house to go to his house. My dad caught me, sure. and, he, and it was the first time ever he put his hand to me. He pulled my ear all the way up the stairs to the second floor. And then he let go and he looked at me and I could see the panic in his face. And uh. since he'd never hit me, quote unquote, before, yeah. I was not, I didn't know enough to do anything. So I didn't cry, I didn't yell, I didn't uh. do anything. I was just surprised. Yeah. And he saw, the, he read it in my eyes and then he panicked, I think, and then went to his room and we never spoke of it again. Interesting. But that's know, like breaking that out of well, my actually. house, you know what I mean? So hopefully no yeah. one watches you breaking into your house and right. they get the idea. They get the idea that I'm breaking in. Because I think in. that was his concern. I think yeah, his yeah, concern was true. like, oh, they're going to see my uh, son breaking out. And then I would like to think I don't look too intimidating, you know? Like, I can make it work. Maybe I look intimidating. I hope so. Because yeah, so. that mindset starts to make you think you need bars at your house. Well, my, my neighbors probably would see that it's me. I mean, they, they, they've seen me outside before. Then, you know, fucking, he'd be right here and he'd be like, oh. That's pee, you just do it as thing, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, well, it's th- always nice, too, when you know, like, oh, they're right. going to think I'm breaking in. I'm just going to open the door and make it known I'm sure. home so nothing's wrong. I had a I had a moment of whimsy this morning that I want to share with you. Um, I, uh, so so I, I, I did a little coke last night, and then I woke up this morning, and, like, you know, I wasn't coked out, but I Wait, had... Wait, like, you could sleep through that? I've done no, a lot you of, could sleep through I've done coke. a lot of coke in my life. But, like, fucking... Um, I, I woke up in the morning and I still had this like sort of like, you know, this, this serotonin is still just kind of doing the, this. It's not like I'm not like. No, but, but it's but, but, but snowing I'm, on your it's brain. It's just kind of there. And it's like yeah, I'm like there. Yeah. So th- this girl comes up to me. She sees I have this these rings on, right? This is a recent development, right? And like so, like she sees this. She might even only just see this one. To be honest with you, she's her fucking mascot. She walks up to me on the bus. I have my mask on, and she's like, "You married?" Well, it's on. What finger is it on? It's on a ring finger. That's what I'm saying. Sure, but like, hold on. Seven o'clock in the morning. Go on. On the bus. Go on. Pretty cute looking girl, but we both have masks on. Social distancing times. I have headphones on. Like all of there's there's a number of reasons why this conversation should happen. Ooh, and also, why is somebody at seven in the morning walking up to you being like, "Are you married?" Yes. Like, well, what, what is that? I see like, it now. And what's happening? Yes. This is so fucking strange. She's so, going like, out of her way to point out you're married. So I, I immediately am just kind of like taken aback, and then but because I'm a little, I'm still a little coked out. I'm like. Adventurous. Ah, oh, bro, I'm gonna run with this right now. Yes. Like I, I, I like I, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a field day with this because you must. So for whatever reason, I, I was watching. Last night, uh, I, I've seen it before, and I was watching it again because I really like it. I was watching the uh, the documentary on uh, MIA, the uh, Surrey Lincoln. I have not seen that. It's good. It's very good. What's cause, it called? Cause it's I forget, but it, it's, her, it's it, her name is in the title, uh, MIA, and like uh, fucking. Um, I heard of it. Her, her family are all Tamil Tigers. And what like, does that mean? Like uh, they were uh, of the resistance against the Buddhist terrorists in Sri Lanka. Holy moly. So like they were very violent. They always had guns in the house. Like they, like she came from a crazy situation. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's and then she moved to London and she a lot of the time was actually trying to halfway escape that, but at the same time talk about that and like so her that's why her music's a little weird. It's like on the one hand it's a, a little weird. It's dancey and it's accessible and it's like this sort of like pop thing, but on the other it's hand avant garde series. There's some weird shit going on there. Yeah. And that, that that's kinda why her shit's like that. But yes. and she's very troubled in that way. But Okay. Um 
But I decided I'm going to just take a little tidbits of her biography to describe the person that I'm married to. How did that go? She, they, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were totally captivated, but then, like, literally, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, like, because I, I, I was still on the book, Coke. I was, like, I was thinking, like, a couple sentences ahead of where I already was. Uh-oh. And I, like, I, I was thinking at some you were excited. You jumped right. the gun. I was thinking at some point, I'm going to just stop that, and I'm going to say my other wife. You decided what? So, so, and I did do it. At a certain point, I was like talking to her. I'm like, oh, yes, so she was in the Camel Tigers, and then she moved to London, and then I met her in New York, and we were working in a studio together, and like this kind of thing. And then, like, eventually I got to it, like, at the end of that part, this is all within about five minutes. I I look at her and I say, like, and then my other wife. Oh, my God. So you're trolling. No, no, not a troll necessarily. It sounded like a. I had a feel Like a curious feeling. Like, what would happen if. Or just not even that. It sounded like your brain worked before you did. Well, no, well, well, kind of. Because the thing is, well, what happened? So, so if I was my normal self, yeah, and I had like a couple cups of coffee in me, if that, and then like you know maybe a six hours of decent sleep and like not great but decent, like um, kind no, of well, like you can have decent sleep. You can have great sleep though. I mean, it was right. okay sleep. Anyway, come on. Sleep. Sleep. You had sleep. I had sleep. And then yeah. and like fucking, I I get up and I'm just kind of like doing this. Off to work kind of thing. Like, if she came up oh. to me and was, like, fucking, like, um, you know, looked at my ring and was like, are you married? I'd be like, no. And then, and then like, and, and, and the, rest of the, the rest of the time I'd be on the bus kind of uncomfortable being like, do I want to wear this right now? Like, what the, right. what the, what the hell? Is, yeah. this, right. this is, I'd be very self-conscious. So I'd just be like, well, what of, is that? The beauty of uh, the drugs cocaine. is that all of a sudden you want to know. No, not even want to know. Your body is willing to go that extra mile to see. Well, what happens if I say the next thing, and then you say the next thing? Well, what happened? No, no. What happened is I, I immediately, rather than reflect on the absurdity of the situation later and be like, "Why was this random girl at 7 a.m. That's making hindsight. me making me take my headphones on and do that thing?" Right. For whatever reason, because I was on the coke a little bit, not a ton, like just a tiny bit. No, because you, know? you slept through it. I had like fucking like. Two lines last night, and like okay. fucking like there were big lines, and like you know I fucking. You're having the aftermath. Though. That was like ten. It was like there was like, it was the fucking aftermath of it. Yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. And so it's like a, not even like nine thirty, and like it fucking yeah. like um. So then I I get up I get up and like you know I'm I'm still kind of feeling it, but like so I immediately as soon as I re- I immediately recognize the absurdity of the situation, I was just like which is okay you. You are a golden nugget in society, and I'm going to match you as a golden nugget. I yes. am going to come right back yes. at the you ch- with, with challenge a, accepted with another absurd thing. Yes. Like, you know, yes. like that. I love that happened. Uh, I used to do a shit ton of math, but now oh, I only yeah. do it uh, when it comes up. But yeah. back then, the beauty it was the reason I would go back to it was my familiarity with the come down feeling. Sure. I knew the come down feeling from before I did drugs. I was like, I know this feeling. This and I used familiar. to do a lot of Adderall. This is my which is not the same thing, but he told me about that. That's another story. Yeah. We'll get to that next time. I right. you, you're, are you will? I'm gonna secure you now. Are you willing to come back to this podcast? Sure. Yeah. Is okay. it on right now? It's on right now. Okay. It's been on since you left the door, really. No. Oh, yeah. We started with the. Uh, we were talking about your window. So it's a but funny anyway. story. Yeah. I'm, but, I'm glad we got that. Like, very good. <laughs> I can cut it. No, no, I don't mind. So, but yeah. so back to the thing. I, I uh, the reason I would look Matt to after the come down yeah. uh, affiliation. Yeah. Was the height and the extremity oh, yeah. to be myself? Suddenly, sure. I have the ability to be myself. It's what people glorify alcohol for. Mm-hmm. You're not saying things because you're drunk. You're saying them because you mean them. That applies to more than just alcohol. And people don't like to celebrate it because alcohol is a Schedule One drug, or what? I mean, a methamphetamine. Meth, meth is a Schedule One drug, or whatever the reasons. They think it might be. Mm-hmm. All I know is I come from the streets and meth is available sometimes. Just don't get caught by the cops. Mm-hmm. And it 
awoke experiences in my in my brain that in hindsight have become more real than anything I'm capable of without that shit. Well, 100%. I mean, like, I, I, I talk to buddies about this all the time, about how, like, I, I find value, um, even though, like, I don't want to be, like, taking, like, 80 milligrams of Adderall in, like, 48 hours time and railing that shit in, like, public spots and doing that kind of thing. Because you've heard horror stories. Like, 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 well, no, it's not so much I don't I've heard horror stories. It's more so that there's a few different things. I mean, one... Um, I am somebody who uh, is susceptible to abuse, and that yes. isn't going to... That's something you learn from, from yourself. Right. And then two, um, I would also say that um, we don't live in a culture to where we're able to cultivate um, drug experiences in a way that are productive. That depends on where you're at at the culture. Are you sure? But, but what, I guess what I'm trying to say, I read this book a while back, and I forget what it was called, but I can look it up for you if you want. It was done by, the, the, the press was AK Press, and it was by a black... I like AK Press so, 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 so it was AK Press, it was a, it was a black woman, um, she, uh, she, she wrote this thing that basically just kind of uh, hypothesized, um, well, she does, she does seminars of uh, drug positivity uh, for you like... No, I'll look it up for you, though. Okay. Um, and, and essentially, uh, you can put it in the show notes. And essentially, um, yeah. like What did like, you learn? Uh, it, basically, she talks about ecstasy. She talks about, like, you know, like all okay. the different forms of ecstasy, like MDMA, like fucking, like, uh, SAS, whatever. what have you. era she's writing from? She wrote this book, like, a year ago. Okay. So it's pretty, really pretty recent. new. So yeah. she talks about psychedelics. I mean, everyone's talking about psychedelics now. So, I mean, that's not mm-hmm. really that, that revolutionary. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not really, like, actually no. that attracted to, which, I mean, I am. It's, it's interesting. It's just not original. Like, I've heard that before. Um, yes. And, like, I, I, I do psychedelics. I just, I just, I, like I said, I'm not interested. What I was interested more so was, was hearing what she had to say about, like, um, recreational, but also um, very... Uh, how do I but a deliberate uses of um, drugs that have been a lot more um, stigmatized. Um, like yeah, especially because uh, of what of what. Where is she coming at it from? From a well, perspective oh, of she wants what out of it? She she's her speci- she's specifically interested in um, different types of human relationships. Yes, like relationships. Not, not not just in terms of like um, she's not self introspecting. She's social introspecting. Totally. So not not just in terms of like uh, uh, se- no sexual, <laughs> not just in terms of sexual or romantic relationships. Though those included too. Okay. Um, but like but that. but also relationships with like managers, relationships with um, relationships with uh, managers. Relationships with employees, relationships with like everybody, and like the, the different ways that these drugs can like have different like uh, effects for people and what have you, and like and, and, like well, not positive just effects, yourself, you know? but other people. Totally, yeah. exactly, and like so. For example, I, I, like I love it and intrigued. Yeah, so she, like, one of the more beautiful things I've read in the last few years was she talked about how like um, a very very deliberate and planned out use of MDMA. Uh, with her Wait, par- with her partner. Me what MDMA is? It's 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 uh, the um, so MDM. What's the street? Uh, oh, I mean it's Molly. Molly. It's Molly. It's Molly. But the but the thing but the no no but the important distinction to make with that is that MDMA the the second M. Okay. Stands for um, methamphetamine. Yeah, as opposed to. Amphetamine. So MD amphetamine nice. MD methamphetamine. So as you can expect with that is that uh, fucking the methamphetamine is a lot more, a lot more hyperactive. hyperactive and it has a lot more of a, a little I bit. I call it agitating. What a little bit more of a longer. It's definitely not agitating because no? the thing is that the fucking like ecstasy just. I don't mean agitating like an annoying. Like, you know, agitating as in like it. 
Like, say there's a bulb that yeah. it, that drugs rub. Right. That one really rubs the bulb. Right. At, uh, methamphetamine. Right, right, right. right. Amphetamine, which amphetamine. would be a more cocaine. Cocaine versus meth, essentially. Kind of, except I, I would say more so like um, Adderall versus meth. I don't know how this works. How do you make the light work? I, we don't even know. That's fun. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that, that'd be great. Um, but yeah. I, I, that, that's what I would say. We, we, okay. we, should, we should get a light for out here. I might do that tomorrow. Yeah, I'll, uh, next time I'll bring a lamp too. No, I'll, I'll go buy one tomorrow. Yeah, go, go to Ross or some shit. Get, I have one books. in there somewhere. I don't think I have a light bulb though. No, well, no, but we would need one that's like not. Um, not like an basic? indoor lamp. Well, we don't plug it in. We would have to something. Oh, room. I don't mind having like a LED. Well, we have to get an extension for it. But see, we, I see. But you're thinking ahead. Like if we got something that was just like chilling here, or or, yeah, or yeah. if we got something that. No, because we, yeah. I don't think there's any outlets here outside. No, extension cords. I'm old school. Yeah. See, well, I want to do, I was going to do that. No, yeah, you're onto something. Or I want to get a good candle. Or a good candle just, would just be Just a good candle. We can get yeah, one of those, yeah. we should get one of those, like, fucking, like, uh, bug repellent candles. Because um, I don't get bit, but other people do. I'm like that. You're onto something there. Uh, okay, yeah. so the writer, she writes about MDMA and her experience with yeah. social situations. It's a, it's a very beautiful chapter she had about uh, fucking... Um, how like a very systematic, deliberate use of MDMA basically saved her relationship. Uh, what was the relationship with her partner? Like? Um, and well, they, they were lacking intimacy. They were lacking uh-huh. like in like they, they they were so caught in abstractions that they forgot about each other and their physical bodies. And what 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 what, what is over intellectualizing the relationship? They were. I mean, like they perhaps were. they were over intellectualizing, but maybe they were getting lost in like. Abstractions that took them away from um, the feeling, their, the feeling, and their, their, their bodies. And I and I, right. and I and I hate to say it's it's not just sex, but it's part of it. And it's no, it's, 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 it's a, yeah, it's a, depending on the relationship, it's a big part of it. I, I've um, as a writer, I, I've always um, been fascinated by bodies. Like I've been fascinated by flesh. I being and, interested and, in film, I've always been interested in bodies. Go ahead. And just our relationship to uh, both both our repulsion to bodies and our yes. and, and our that'll get into Verhoeven, but like yeah. our, our our repulsion to bodies and our uh, fucking um, you know, attraction, bodies. Our attraction and, 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 bodies and our insecurity with our own bodies and, and, and other people's yeah, bodies. Yeah, but and I like, think insecurities comes in, and, and when we need to get into that, right. yeah, into you're just even right. just thinking about your own body. And my first experience cinematically with the body was uh, uh, Full Metal Jacket by Stanley Kubrick. Uh, What's his face blows his mind. Sure. And I started thinking, wow, maybe I'd be interested in uh, psychology. Mm-hmm. But no, it turns out I'm interested in film. But you study that's film? a yeah, because that's. And the destruction, I mean, this is the, what, the weight of that scene. You sure. remember that scene in Full Metal Jacket oh, yeah. when uh, uh, Gomer Pyle, they call him, mm-hmm. shoots his brains out. Yeah. I started thinking, what brought him to that place? I was too young, I think, right. to know that stuff, but I started right. thinking it. Why? What brought him to that brink? I know what those bullies are like that put him to that place. Right. Will I ever get there? I don't want to get are there. Are you a Cronenberg what? guy? I... Just recently, let Sam over here, who's still sitting at the table, borrow the fly because I watched yeah, Cronenberg. That's a bodily film. 100%. To me, Cronenberg's best films start with either The Fly or The Brood. Brood's great. Because as much as his other films are just as good, the most impressionable to me was Scanners. Was the one where the guy's head blew up, right? Dude, the other one too. Was that the one where the guy's head blew up? Yes, Scanners yeah. is the one where his head blew up. Yeah. And then the other one, what's the other psychedelic one? Videodrome is also Video incredible. Videodrome trippy. Um, I'm thinking of one more. Oh, Dead Ringers was a very impressive I think Dead film. Ringers might be actually my, my, second. might be my favorite. You see, um, but that's Cronenberg is in his exploration, and that's only us rating it from an American well, perspective, no, rating which one we like better, maybe. What, that's was, the, my what was the one where, like, um, it was, a, a, lot of good ones. It was essentially zombies. 
The zombies one. That's uh, it was the like first his, one. Uh, no, it wasn't his first one. His first one was a documentary on some weird telekinetic shit. No, no, I'm talking about his first big one. Uh, it's Skinner's. It starts with an S. Shivers. Shivers. Yeah. Shivers. And they gave it another name, but Shivers is the one I got. I liked that one. That was fucked up. That one's good, but it's... Yeah. In my head, I saw it after I saw all the mainstream ones. Yeah. It's too abstract for right. people to get it. It's too... Sure. I mean, as much as people can sit through I Spit on Your Grave, sure. I wouldn't sell that movie to anybody. Right. I would sell, uh, what's it, Texas Chainsaw Massacre before uh-huh. I sold that one. I yeah. would sell oh, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 before I sold yeah. that movie because that movie is so abstract. No, no, I think people sure. would get weirded out and or yeah. bored, which would take them away from the experience I think they ought to have out of that movie. What do you think of New Cronenberg? Like- New Cronenberg, I like... I don't love because he's not reaching his capability the way when no, they used not. to throw money at him. He used to be able to explore where he can go with the story. Well, I mean, now, they threw a I lot think, of money at him for History of Violence. Yes, but that was around the tail end. I mean, even you could argue uh, Cosmopolis, he still hit his yeah. point. But if he had all the money in the world, odds are it would be a different little movie. You, like, a, Pat- you a Pattinson fan? I love anything. I think he's a revelation, frankly. Him, actually, and his co-star in Twilight. Yeah. She's had she's For made Christmas very interesting shit. choices. She was the only she was the only person in the in the uh, on the road uh, film adaptation. Yeah, she was the only one who that was actually good it? in that. Who made it worth? The I don't think anybody else was good in that film other than her. That that's like, the beauty of good actors is that mm. they can ground the film enough mm. to carry you through it, and not I don't mean as a movie goer, I mean as right. a cinema goer, yeah. as someone who's looking for something in the movie that can mm. tell you something you didn't know before. Sure. Um, Do you think yeah, on the personal road shopper be... was the one that cemented her. Oh, okay, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, that shit was fucking. Fantastic. That was really very good. Do you I think, think that... that Oliver Sayers? Yeah, Asayas is such a fucking. He's ridiculous. Oh, wait, wait, no, wait. There's someone who Soderbergh. Him and Soderbergh yeah. are so adventurous in their filmmaking. Well, I love that they're willing to go outside their genres. The funny thing about Soderbergh too is that Soderbergh can make some like, in, in my eyes, yeah, crap. But then yes. he, he, he can. He's he can, willing though. But but then he can also make shit where I'm just kind of like, well, you know what I actually really like, which is like I know it sounds kind of a stupid. Don't say it, shit like that. It, oh, it, go it, ahead. It's a stupid fucking plot. But the the, the thing he did with the iPhone uh, about uh, fucking yeah, insane. Not insane. The, I like oh. insane. But the other one that he shot with that iPhone about a sports agent. That one. Uh, f- high flying flyers. Yeah, high flyers, something like that. High oh, high, high flying. Shit. Like like. I saw it, you know, I didn't think much of it, but I knew it was on to something. Yeah. And I think it's, I only didn't give him credit because I'm not, it's one of those movies, when I was a kid, right. I would watch movies to watch them because I sure. know there's a, there's something to it. Right. And I would be watching it and I had to put it away because I'm not ready to judge it. I don't right. know what they're saying yet. Yeah. I'm going to put it away and watch it later. Yeah, you the did that, you did as a kid. The, dude, I didn't realize I was that fucking like the Earl, trying to be. Are you talking about the Earl Morris documentary, The Fog of War? Which, the Fog of War is the one I just watched recently because I remember as a kid the I rented Mac- it. Not thing. I, well, I was telling Sam, I rented it, and when I rented it... It's a, it's a documentary, though, yeah? It is. That shit's but fantastic. But when I yeah. rented it, dude, I was a boy, right? All I okay. knew was Excalibur Video by my okay. house. Yeah. They were the biggest video store I ever mm-hmm. fathomed. Mm-hmm. I loved that store. When I got a card there, dude, it was a fucking dream. Mm-hmm. I, but I rented that video thinking, here's the guy who's on the cover. This guy looks like the guy who was on the cover of Oh God. Uh, this is a, a fucking... What's his name? He's a comedian. Shit. I had his name when I told it to Sam. Any which way. I thought, this is a funny guy. But I don't think that's what this movie's about. Wait, what I put it on Fog of War. Out of, yeah, Fog of War. 12 Lessons of 12... Yeah, 12 of, Lessons to Learn About a War. Or something uh, like this. It's Errol Morris. It's Errol Morris. Yeah. And it's the Fog of War. And it's about this guy 
who lived through the administrations despite himself because he was so and this is where I get to Louis C.K. because he was a person who fits in the, in the mold of Louis C.K. in the sense that this is someone who's so introspective sure. they know themselves before they choose a job because mm-hmm. a job defines what they want to do with their fucking time and yeah. effort this is the guy who picked work because yeah. it was something that was going to challenge him intellectually because it's something human, more human than I mean, something that a Disney movie could sell me. So I just rewatched The Fog of War yeah. and it made all the fucking sense. There was yeah. nothing out of reach in this movie rewatching it. And this is what I'm talking about with Cronenberg what, too. What do you think of what do you think of Earl Morris's role in that film? Errol Morris, Errol Morris is an interesting he guy. He does talking. Now, in that film it's funny because I haven't seen a Moira Morris film. The last one that really impacted me was Tabloid. Okay. Now, that was a movie I saw before, way after it came out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's come out a way long time since he's made another movie after. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's been some time since I've seen an Errol Morris film. Sure. When I saw that one, I forgot Errol Morris was in it. Right. You know what I mean? Because what he does is he gets... And I know about the method because I saw right. him in a, in a talk show... Uh, talking about how he interviewed people and how it was a, a way of interviewing people where the people are looking at each other face to face. The interviewer uh-huh. and the interviewee, but they're all in different rooms. Right. And I remembered that when I watched Fog of War because Errol Morris is shouting from another room, yeah, is, yeah. yelling his yeah. questions. Do yeah. you think this a thing that totally. I'm asking? And the guy's like responding in a, at the camera right. in a normal tone. Well, actually, but but every so often he would interrupt in ways you wouldn't expect. Well, the, every I so often around he would. The time I rented yeah. and couldn't handle the fog of war, I rented the yeah. Thin Blue Line, and I didn't get it. That's I a, that's a weird it. fucking movie. And I think that's another one where he calls in responses with the with the actor. Anyway. I don't actually love that. I don't like that movie. A lot I of people do. It, it, it won awards. I, I don't like yes, it though. But I didn't so, yeah. get it. Is that a police movie? I just knew there was mm-hmm. corruption going on. The thing about that movie that was celebratory was that apparently. When he made it, he was judging a case. He was making a movie about a case that was unsolved when he started making the film. And the film was finished, and the courts changed their minds about what the verdict should be, judging only by the fucking merit of a documentary cinema, basically. Well, that was the first time that happened since, uh, what's it called, which they just made a new series again. Um, Unsolved, Mr. Unsolved... Mysteries? Is this that what it's called? Unsolved Mysteries? It was yeah, a so stupid name for a show, but that was a but show. But they, they, they made it into a new show, and it's yeah. doing the exact same thing. Right. Where but it's, it's, it's essentially, um, that was the first time that happened since then. But in its time, especially yeah. the subject is challenging, which is the systemic fucking racism inherent in the cops, was a fucking just mind-blowing thing at the time. So it made Errol, Errol Morris. Made it? Errol Morris. Yeah, E-R-R-O-L-M-O-R-R-I-S. He's probably most Errol. known for Thin Blue Line and then probably Fog of War. Actually, um, I would argue he's more famous for Grey Gardens. Oh, yeah. No, you see that one too, for sure. Though, and before then, the one about the pet cemeteries. That was interesting. That was um, his first That one. was in the Bay Area. The one that Werner Herzog challenged him to do yeah. it, and then there if he finished it, I'll eat a, a fucking shoe. He, yeah, and that happened. Which he but did. He, which he, there, there was another one he did called, like, it was about these four different dudes who had very different fucking, like, weird fucking, like, pastimes. One was into fucking, like, robots. Another person was into, like, weird animals. And I had like, fucking, like, uh, I forget the name of it, but... Um, I don't want to cut you short, but... His we- most... Uh, real quickly, though, his most recent one was an interview with Steve Bannon. And I haven't seen oh, that Oh, yeah. I, I saw that the letterbox reviews for that. The letterbox reviews We're basically meh. reviews ever since, uh... uh 
ever since Roger Ebert passed away have meant little to nothing to me. Yeah. But that said, um, was it panned? Ah, shit! I had a fucking question, and I I'm sorry. It. I apologize. No, that's okay. That dude, we've been covering a lot of shit, but we have spent a lot of time on the podcast, and I do want to make it around an hour, no more than two. Uh, I want to get to Verhoeven. So okay. We'll pick okay. up on. Okay, for sure. Errol right, Morris. Let's, let's go right into Verhoeven. I'm fucking down. We'll pick up sure. on Errol Morris next time, ideally. For sure. But everything we're gonna hear from here on out yeah. is. Uh, yeah, a propos of nothing, considering right. everything has got its own tangent, which is too much to get into depth in a three-hour conversation with two people who even know what they're talking about, let alone two people who are interested in sure. what they're talking about. Do you want me to pack this, can I pack this bowl real quick? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to put this on pause out. just so we can collect our thoughts. No, don't be sorry. A, a break is a very healthy thing. Uh, Wait, so what was the guy you're saying? Was it the Frog of War had a guy on the... Like, You think you're willing to venture into this now? Yeah, 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 I'm good, I'm good. I'm chilling. Uh, fucking... I'm just saying, I was thinking we can get some Christmas lights for this shit, like, right up in here, like... That would be good. It'd be, but, but it'd be subtle lighting. It'd be easy. Um, we can get, uh, you can get, uh... You can get those, not solar ones, but some you can hit that you don't have to plug into the wall. Right, right, no, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah, because that I mean, idea... Uh, I mean, are you even solar ones? I, I still come from the time of the clap on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there was I, I did used to do that in the front and it never worked. Um, but uh, okay, wait. So now that we're back, you you went you did your break. I did mine. Yeah. Let's talk about Paul Verhoeven. What do you think of Paul Verhoeven's last work that I have ever seen named L? I mean, I loved it. You loved it. I loved it. Yeah. What did you hate about it? I mean, to talk about L and to, but first off, I can't. Wait, I should state now. I'm presuming. Nothing about what I think you would hate about it. Okay. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say right away, I don't really want to talk about L because my ex-girlfriend's name is L. And like what? My ex-girlfriend's name is L, the one I just oh, broke up with. Oh, it's Okay. Yeah, so like... That's an interesting connotation. There's a strange kind of relationship I have with that because we both also watched that movie. And, like, and yeah. you both watched that movie. Yeah, so there's this Going sort of... Going in knowing this is her name. There's this... Yeah, oh, so that's a dynamic. I, I don't want to get into that. I'm, I'm not going to even touch that one. But what I will say... What I will say is I think that Paul Verhoeven... Um, Wait, can I ask how long it's been since you saw Elle with your girlfriend who was named Elle? Was it when it came out? No, it's probably like six months. Ago? Yeah. Okay, let's forego that question. May I restart? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. What do you think of Paul Verhoeven's mainstream hit, Robocop? <laughs> and then go from... And then go from there okay. in your opinion of what you think Verhoeven is. Well, there's a scene in the beginning of RoboCop um, where uh, they're testing out a new robot cop. Right? I forget what they called it, but it was obviously it wasn't human. It's not it wasn't humanoid looking. Yeah, it might have been actually. It was the little, the, the one no, it was bigger. Around. It was the it was the first one that they did, and they brought it into the office, and the cops just like, no, that ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna work. And then the the police chief's just like, oh. You don't think this is going to work? Try it out. Threaten it. And so then he did. And then as soon as they kept telling this robot to try to, you know, stand down, stand down, don't shoot this cop, don't shoot this cop, he went at it. He just went in and started shooting this cop. And Verhoeven, being the guy that he is, rather than have a situation where it's just like, oh shit, robot out of control, bam, 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 target eliminated, dead. 
Instead, we have a scene in this middle of this office with hella people standing around doing nothing, just sitting there in terror. I think they're around the table. They're around the table, right? And, like, fucking, like, Verhoeven centers on this guy getting shot for probably about two minutes. It's just, like, machine gun blast. Adam, the entire fucking... He's been dead after the first four shots, and yet we're watching this body just hit this fucking window, like, like, like over and 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 over fucking again. And so, like, I think that that scene um, really fucking encapsulates just, like, so much of what Verhoeven um, does that... Um, in all his movies, where by going that extra length, by doing that extra thing, by pushing that boundary a bit more, in almost kind of an irritating way. Um, yeah, it's over the top. It's over the top, but he, he does so in, in, in the in the effect is that we are able to feel a feeling of disgust in a way, and like and I and I and from I, a spectator's perspective. Yeah, but but I think but I think that like that that is a. Um, can, can I go into my overarching theory of, of, of Verhoeven? I think Verhoeven is probably the only filmmaker. Um, I don't want to say only because I obviously don't know all filmmakers, but um, one of the only um, who has been able to very directly and affectively comment on fascism within our times. Yes. Very directly so. And yeah, he, he very does explicitly and, so, and, sure. and affectively to where and like things yeah. that happen in his films that are a um, result of fascism we feel so that disgust I feel of like bam 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 if I were to sit there and think about like well what's the source of that like what's the what's the reason for that what have you all of a sudden I'm making the association between oppressive police force of control power with just this fucking you're coming from what you know. Yeah, but I also think that like um, the reason why people don't like Verhoeven movies, people look at Verhoeven movies and movies and they don't like them, isn't actually necessarily because they're bad movies because they can be in some ways if you look at them in some ways sure. in certain ways. But You're talking showgirls, totally. But, but I actually love showgirls. But the, the reason why they a lot of people don't like them, it, it, it actually is has to do more with the over top, over the top nature of it. And the, w w yes. you have to ask yourself the over the top nature. Of it. What are we getting over the top of? Like, what, what, mm -hmm. what, what is that thing? What's that threshold that we're crossing with this film? What's that line called too far? Like, what, what is that? And how, how, how are, why are we disturbed by that? Like, what, what, is, what, is, what is the... I mean, because it is disturbing. Watching somebody getting shot like that is, is absolutely fucking disturbing, right? It's, it's fucking awful. It and, but, can be in real life. Right. But we're watching this film that's like, it's an 80s... Even for 80s, it's not very realistically no, done. Is, it, is the film. limit like what level of violence can be normalized? Well, that's what we're gonna. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, for sure. I mean, that, that's that's fucking. Well, what are their aspects? That's that's. that's, that's uh, I'm sorry. I was gonna interchangeable super trooper, starship troopers, starship, yeah. starship. Troopers. It's, it's 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 fucking. Um, and that that's starship troopers. But like we can, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, I lost it. Oh, what? Let's go with your what you violence. You what? normalization of violence. Well, we're talking for. Yeah. Um, Robocop. Robocop. Pushing uh, the limit of the... Uh, over the top. Yeah. Over what the are we top. getting over the top of? Pushing the limit. Well, the thing is, it comes from... Oh, I got it now. So it comes from where you're coming at it from. We were talking about where I was getting at your perspective of Verhoeven. Mm -hmm. But it talks about, yeah, what the where the line is and what's mm -hmm. over the top. Where is, mm -hmm. where is the line, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Um, you're coming at it from an American perspective. Mm. Where in the country when you first watched this movie? When I first watched RoboCop. When you first watched the film. I mean, I saw RoboCop as a kid. Um, yes, you see, that's what I. Probably in. I think I was in like Memphis, Tennessee. Um, what did you grow up with up to then that related to RoboCop? But the thing is, for me, when I watched RoboCop, that was like a fucking just like an action flick that had like it, it was. You scared? Of when, wait, what? Wait, no. how old were you when you watched it? Like eight. Were you scared when you saw it? No, because the thing is, I was under the impression that I was watching something badass. Yes. Fair. Like, fair. I, I thought I was under the impression yeah. that I was watching like all this violence, these yeah. guns, and like, look, they're doing drugs, like right. all these things. Like, because we see him as terms yeah. of like that violence, guns. Uh, it's it's the dad from that seventy show. It's badass. Like, like all that shit. Yeah. Like the dad know. from that seventy show. You know, like sure. all, yeah. all, all that shit. You oh, know what I mean? Sure. So 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 it's like yeah. that's the first way I looked at it. However, I will tell you this: I didn't rewatch the full film again. I saw it oh, a couple yeah. of different times. Like 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 when oh, I was. Wait, 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 let's finish your first impression because there's okay. a second impression too, and the third probably. Like, sure, what's sure. The, what's the first impression? Well, the first impression is just badass. It's like I'm watching films like Die Hard. I'm watching films like fucking yes, like Die Hard. God, like what what other? Wow, fucking... you saw that by eight. Yeah, I, mean, I watch a lot of movies, but like the thing is like, I was watching like Mission Impossible. Fucking yes. like I was watching fucking watching like Lethal Weapon. Be crazy. Like watching, fucking. Um, yeah, like, you know, I, like for me, that was just like another action film. Wait, like, wait, wait, Die Hard. What else? Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. Fucking. Um, that early. Wow. Like, it wasn't quite to the point to where my dad or somebody could introduce me to something like Pulp Fiction, and I would like it. Okay. Is it wasn't too artsy for quite you? there. I would be bored by the dialogue. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah. I, I mean, like, because well, that's what I'm getting at too. Yeah, the dialogue doesn't make doesn't matter almost. Like when you're right. watching Lethal Weapon, when you're watching Robocop. And you're a kid. You're watching right. images, and whatever is louder is what's better. Totally. Like we were talking about what's louder earlier. Bam, 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 bam. Whatever is louder is the thing that grabs your attention as a kid, as an eight year old, so that you can talk about it the next day and remember it. You know, otherwise mm-hmm. you're not gonna remember lines. You don't know to memorize shit yet. You can say the same thing about music and everything. Too. Exactly, we can say yeah. the same about music, and especially when we heard it, when we heard a song when Food. we were eight, and when we revisit it when yeah. we we're eighteen. We think a negative thing, and when we revisit it when we're twenty-eight, we think about a third thing. But that's the third thing. Right. The first thing. Uh, your dad turned you on to the action movies? Um, I think my dad got a sudden, a little joy, because my, my, yes. my parents were still together. Okay. He got a little joy of giving me little bits and pieces of things wow. that he thought that my mom wouldn't want me to see. Love it. Okay. Like, so he's already like... He was the guy who passed me a joint when I was like 11. Like and I was just, and he was just like story, and he was and he was just like this isn't a cigarette just don't tell your mom have a little puff and right, just go, don't tell your go to mom. sleep and have some fun. But, but, but you're they're, eight, you're watching RoboCop for the first time. Yeah, and like it was, it was one of those things where he's just like you know, you know, but the action movie genre has already set a tone in your head. Totally. You're like this is one of those, and this is fucking mind blowing. Right. And like I actually I probably didn't perceive because they do a lot of coke in that movie. Like the, 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 yes, the, the, the whole movie, there's like lines yeah. of coke. And as an eight year old, what year was that? When you when you were eight, do you remember? Do you know? I mean, 1999. When you yeah, 1999, 2000. Yeah. Yeah. How long ago did that movie come out? 87. Uh, 87. Yeah. So it came out on videotape. Yeah, we might have been watching on TV. On TV. And if we were watching on TV, it would have been censored. Right. So you're watching a censored version. So I don't actually know which one it was, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah, that's right. Because my first impression is still was. I mean, I don't actually. I don't think my dad would have got that from Blockbuster. I think no. that would. I think that would have been something that would have just. But been here's kind of this movie on. we heard about. It's supposed to be badass. Let's watch it. You're watching it. Right. Fucking at least an impression. Right. Second time you're watching it. Yeah. Well, I'm mean, okay. So, second time watching it, 
deliberately, or the second time, like, it's just kind of on and I've seen scenes? It's on and you've seen the scenes. Let's go with that. So the second time I saw it was, um, I, I saw it at a few different parties in college, both in San Francisco and then the second time in, in New York. Um, and these were parties where, like, yeah, there's, like, probably, like, 30 people there, but for the most part, people are just kind of smoking weed, doing a bunch of hash. And it's like, a small enough party that a movie's on and you're paying attention. Doing a bunch of codeine, and, like, now I'm, like, sitting there just kind of, I'm, like, yeah, like, sipping the syrup, and I'm just, like, well, I'm, like, fun. And, like, I'm like, mellow. Well, I mean, that, that's, that was that era. Yes. There was that era of, like, um, Coke um, and Speedy Things weren't as... This was, like, a pre... They weren't taboo. Well, these weren't a pre... This is a pre-EDM, like, mainstream party scene. Okay. But, like... Right. Wait, what does that mean? Does that mean that the drugs are less cool? Ecstasy was certainly a thing. Like, and then, like, uh, the way we called it in Bay, of course, was Fizz. But, like, fucking, um, the whole party scene of, like, going to a party and, like, like, that wasn't Proving a... with the high. That wasn't a thing yet. When you go to a party, you go there to chill and have, like, some sexy conversations with people and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like you have Lil Wayne rapping about fucking Sip and Syrup. Wow. You have fucking, like, I was listening... The soundtrack. I was listening to Lil Wayne today. It made me so happy. And then I, uh, it made me so happy. You listened to whole lot what? I was listening to Lil Wayne today. It made me so happy. I was walking home and I and I he was cracking me up the entire time. Yes, but uh, I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, but okay, so this, you're at this party. Robocop's at this party, on. Robocop's on, and I remember thinking to myself, "This is terrible. Wow, this is fucking bad. Like, wow, how bad, wait, wait, wait. bad what 80s did movies you were." What you seen up to that? Were you I was I was studying film at that point too. Why? Yes. Yeah, so you're judging it. So I'm like literally, I'm like, this judging. is terrible, and this is the second time. This is horrible. Hmm. Right, but like, but why is it terrible? But because I mean, it, under a certain lens, I think it's undeniably that undeniable that it is. Like under under. But why did, then did you think it was terrible? What were your judgments then? Just poor um, acting. Um, acting. Poor what acting. Were you watching on the screen. A bad fucking um, plot. Like. <laughs> um, wow. All right. Both those things. Like poor acting and a bad plot. To be honest with you, like as I've never been a technical filmmaker or photographer or what have you. Like I was never thinking about it in that way, in that in that regard. I no, was thinking no, 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 no. I was thinking about the story, You're and I was judging. thinking about the, it's almost a pure sense of judgment. I was thinking about the acting. Yeah, well, the acting. I, it's funny you picked up on the fascism thing when you were like, well, no, 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 I didn't. Not yet. Not, no, 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 this is much later. This is the yeah. Later. Yeah, later? This is yeah, in school. Later, yeah. After. Yeah. yeah so this, this is when I'm in college. I'm going to parties. I'm like, I'm smoking these blunts that are just like dipped in codeine. I'm like, kind of like just Movie. This the is fucking bad. Is terrible. I'm but, not convinced. But not only am I not convinced, but it also like it's so bad that it makes me laugh. Like, yes. I'm, I'm just kind of like, yes. are you fucking kidding? The over me? the like, topness is so this is ridiculous. This is yes. how I feel about Swans in a way. The band Swans, yeah, they're, we'll they're, to, they're early stuff. We'll oh, okay. get to his music interpretation right. next. I think next podcast. That'd be interesting to know where your music interpretation is. But but that's an interesting. Okay, what Swans and RoboCop and the same reaction you see. Yeah, it's a very interesting. What's the Because well, the first time you listen to it, it's like, oh, this is like fucking intense. Like I've never heard. Yes, it. intense. Like there's like metal and shit. There's a lot going like, on. Yeah, like dead babies, blood, gore, and right. it's like this isn't even about blood and gore. This is just like the idea of like you know Violence? like the, the yeah the painful elements of the human. Emotion. That's what that's what no wave Three, of noise was. Yes. Yeah, like this it's like shit. it's just yeah, an abrasion. Right, but it's not yeah. like it's not explicitly like violent. It's not explicitly. But like, then RoboCop is. So Robocop, the reaction yeah. is the same, but the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the medium is different. So film, right, right. you're getting images. With sound, you're but, getting more your imagination. But then the second right. time you listen to Swans, it's like, 
like it's fucking. This isn't the lyric, but the way you, it's like I take control. I fucking do. The, it's it's almost robotic in a way. It's like I take control. Sure. Like um, fucking satisfy the dog. Like fucking. It is robotic. Um, Doesn't that drony sex power money like that? Yeah, it's drony and it's like yeah. it makes you like I didn't think it was bad, but it's just like this is funny. Like it's right. so honest and direct that like it just it. You get taken back. So, well, oh, for me at this point, punk. honestly, a lot of punk music is like that at this point for yeah. me. Like I'm, I'm kind of like. Is that that just wants? Well, no. I mean, just in general, like the, the idea, like right now for me personally, there's a lot of punk music where I enjoy it, but then if I were to sit there and actually think about it, I'd be like, oh god, like this is so like. Uh, oh th- yeah, yeah, th- yeah, that, yeah, that's I it. Okay, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, like that's yeah. all that's happening here. Yeah. But uh, fucking to, to return to um, the, the Robocop thing, like. Right, well, Robocop's over the top. You're reading it as something that, that right. is just that, so, over the top. So, and, like, acting is terrible because it's, like, too fake. His perception of Swans got me thinking, just in the sense that um, the first time I saw it, I had my reaction to it was um, pretty honestly superficial. Like, yeah, very no, honestly superficial. Must- the second time was from a place of critique without asking why. Yes, it was from a place of critique of being like it's an innocence you're coming from you're coming like, from an innocent place and I didn't even fucking like watch the whole thing at that point I watched parts of it and I was just like this is bad and then I just stopped there I didn't yes. ask myself what is this filmmaker doing what is yes. going on here what's the what's the, what's the, what, why why would he extend this sort of violence what's happening here yes. and so that leads me to my are third are we getting thing. to your third time my third it? time watching it like it was just filled with questions of just kind of yes. like how long how much time had passed since you seriously considered it even oh Probably five years, six years. Okay. A while. So you're rewatching it. A while. And then but, now but, it means something else. Well, no. I mean, I, I went through a, uh, I went through a phase. I, mean, I don't want to say necessarily a phase because whatever applies to Robocop. Whatever it was, I, I went through a, a time where I was just watching a lot of bad '80s movies. Like, yeah. Not even necessarily purpose, bad '80s movies, but watching '80s movies that like aren't just not in my typical repertoire. On purpose. Like Carpenter films. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like Car- Car- Carpenter films. To study them. Um, because I thought that there would be something to gain, because I, I was reading different theorists, reading different people, and thinking to myself, like, huh, like, there's something to be gained here, and because I'm very interested in, um, I'm very interested in Reagan America, I'm Go very, in, I'm very interested in how Reagan, in the times of Reagan, It does have, seem like a defining era. Have kind of created a lot of what we're dealing with right now. Right now, yeah. And, 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 and I think Robocop in some ways is... Um, and th- th- this is the thing about Verhoeven that, that, that's fucking fascinating is that like I don't think that he's necessarily aware of any of the things I'm saying Well, it comes back to the like, thing I, I don't you said earlier, either. dude. It goes back to the I don't thing think you said earlier about how it. the people... We're talking about Freud and right. how the people are tied to their times. Mm-hmm. Verhoeven is coming from a time where his, like, his ideas aren't just what right. he says they are, but they're inherent in whatever's going on at the times. Robocops comes out in the 80s when there's so much strife right. in America and he's coming yeah. at it from a, another country yeah. he's looking at a, a, an interpretation yeah. of America right. that should be obvious to Americans right. so That's the Americans are going to get it I'm going right. to make this movie sure. Americans are going to like it right. something purely fascistic not yet. I don't think fully. Yeah, I think yeah. it in, in, inherently. Yeah. Not not consciously. Well, consciously comes with Starship Troopers, but that's another movie, and we probably will never get to that. We haven't got to, my my favorite movie by him. Uh, let me just go ahead and say. Yeah, I skip to that. My, my favorite movie by him, for sure, one hundred percent, is Basic Instinct. Interesting. That's Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone, and that that movie starts off with a very clear look at Sharon Stone's vulva. Uh, yeah, uh, which version do you think is definitive for you? The uh, theatrical or the director's cut? Oh, for sure the director's cut. Why? Because... 
because I think it got into this sort of sexualization, um, this uncomfortable sexualization in a way that, like, you know, fucking, like, motion picture censors would never allow. I know, it's a tricky as fucking life. You know, and, like, it just, it just never would allow that. The censors. No, well, he, the by then more. I think he'd made enough money with... No, that after, Showgirls, also yeah. after Showgirls, isn't it? Showgirls was before. But I mean, Showgirls were, was but, after, rather. So how did... All right, well, maybe I haven't read enough into uh, the making of Basic Instinct right. to know the background. But uh, why, is that, why, why is that movie meaningful to you besides uh, the sexualization the sex of the woman? Well, that, no, 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 but, 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 but I actually do think that it has everything to do with the sexualization of, of everything. Because like, he basically made a movie... Yeah. Where everything that everybody says and everything that everybody everybody does is somehow linked to sexual uh, idealization. Not just idealization, but like getting carried awayness. Like like fucking like um, when Michael Douglas says something to Sharon Stone, like he he's able to capture it in a way to where it's like oh, he made me, there's something sexual underneath this. There's a sexual undercurrent yeah. for every single aspect of that movie. He, he, he made a movie that is, like... Wait, I'm going to cut in here and say Michael Douglas made his impression on me as a boy with the movie The Game. Go get I didn't it. realize yeah. was yeah. David Fincher film, oh, yeah, yeah. which made sense after the fact. Mm-hmm. But then I applied it as a Michael Douglas film. So when I got to Basic Instinct, I knew it was important because... Michael Douglas is capable of importance in movies sure. because the game. The game, to me, as much as I read negative shit afterwards, right. said something to me that was somehow saying something I couldn't put words to. Right. Which is how I think the image, even then, was something important to me. More than just music, more than just my photographs. Photography is important to me too, but the synchronization of photography and sound came inherent in me before I knew what was up and that was in movies like The Game you know and then The Game right. was Michael Douglas movie uh-huh. it wasn't a David Fincher movie it was a Michael Douglas movie I mean how much did Michael Douglas bring to the picture for you in hindsight um into basic instinct I mean my perception of Michael Douglas was somewhat negative before the movie after the fact or before, before the, the movie fact? before the movie I was coming at it a little bit like this guy is kind of a one-trick pony. Like I, I, yes. I, I don't really see him He's doing... He's a comfrey bogart. Like, like, I just don't see him doing anything that's going to interest me. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, wow. Really? What, what What? did he let you down with? Um, most of his later work. What was that? Name stuff with, like, Catherine Zeta-Jones and shit like that. What well, he was married to her, so that probably... Right. It works for might some actors. Still, it might still be actors. married to her. We were talking about Cronenberg earlier. Yeah. Apparently, um, Gina Davis was with Jeff Goldblum when they made that movie. Mm-hmm. And so it contributed to the picture. With Michael Douglas True. and Catherine Zeta-Jones, it yeah. could not have tri- contributed because the work shows. Right. Um, I guess I'll just say this: like I had a, I had a, in his voice kind of annoyed me. Aha! Yes. Like, I, I just, kinda, I, I kind of found him to be a, just an annoying presence in a way. Yes. But he in the way even of the story. But in this fucking film, Go on. like he just plays a fucking playboy asshole, and it works. And it works, and it's just like. Um, like I said, like everything is sexualized to the point where it's just kind of um, absurd, and, and, and I love it. Like and it's absurdity tied into Robocop again, and that's yeah. a credit to Verhoeven. Oh yeah, for sure. You, you, he basically his initial script um, it was a porno. For uh, basically, why, uh, why do you, what makes you say that? 
No, no, it was. He, 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 he said that. His initial Yeah, script. but I'm, with Verhoeven, there's layers. I oh, know sure, that yeah. for a fact. So there's um, got to be more than the porny... Because the thing about Verhoeven that I like, and that I didn't know before but I looked into him, was he makes things conscious of the audience. He was ma- he'd made five films before he made his first American picture, right? Or something yeah. like that. He knew what the audience wanted. He mm-hmm. knew that to all, the way to make... He understood the system. He's like one of those people who approach the system and works out without the system. Verhoeven's one of those. Louis I mean, he's Taylor kind of a troll. Trollness works in his favor, yeah. but that comes later because trollness wasn't around in the 80s when he started making movies in America. You know what I mean? It, right. When he made Robocop, there was no term as troll. There was no... the way, It was the reason... If there was the term trolling... Back when Showgirls came out, Showgirls would have been in even more success than it already was because people are American perverts, and so right. Verhoeven knew that. He tapped into that, and so that's how he made pictures. Right. When he made uh, uh, RoboCop, he overused the violence to sell the picture right. and to make a comment on what he thought uh. American pictures were. Right. Like he was more than just telling. He was under fucking selling his preaching. Oh, yeah, he's preaching sure. without telling people he's mm-hmm. preaching. And so it's how people can say, sh- oh, it's how people can say his uh, fucking movie sucked. Fucking Starship Troopers didn't hit the mark because X reason and Y reason and Z reason. Right. And customers of the fucking movie ticket to go to the movie theater to see this movie were like, damn, that movie was badass. And also this other thing. I mean, as much as people went away to that movie thinking negative things, people came out of that movie thinking... This is something saying something else. What is it? Well, all the thing? Nazi shit. That's where the fascism yeah. comes in, yeah. where his comment on fascism comes clearer and clearer. That was probably the most blunt time that he it became clear that he was critiquing fascism. Like that was yes, probably the most blunt agree. time. Starship Troopers um, is the precipice of him telling people what the fuck is going on before people turn on him. I mean, in my mind, he was. I mean, to, to return to that word, we use didactic. In my mind, he, in my mind, he was always didactic. He's subtly didactic. In my mind, he was always didactic. That was his most not subtle. The best works. I know, not the best works. The best artists can be didactic. Without. Without yes, yeah. telling people that they're didactic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. People can sell the fucking banana and the Campbell soup can. Sure. And the people who who ask the question, who is Andy Warhol, will find something more than just. He was a guy who wanted soup cans, and he was trolling everybody. <laughs> right. No, trolling is a simplistic way to put things, I think. But that's because I'm coming from an older time. I don't get the depth of trolling, but there is a depth to it. I just don't know what it is. So I'll, I'll allow it right. its 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 worth, but I will refuse to admit I know what it's about. I mean, I think that I trolled this long explanation about how she's uh, – Translating for the deaf, all these protests, and that she's working with this group that's like Brown and Black oh. Deaf United, that kind of thing, and she gave a lot of information about that, which was all really interesting, good shit. Like it was an amazing way to describe her role in the protest and how she feels about the protest and her role with the cops. She had a lot, like probably a good three minute explanation. That, that was, was great. good. That's good. And yeah. then they come up to me and they're like, "Do well, you want to say something?" I'm like, "Sure." And then I looked at them and I said, "She asked me like, so what do you think about these protests? How do you how do you um, how do you feel about this this all this this tension? What have you?" And I said. Brianna Taylor's killers have not been put in jail yet, and I just stopped. And like, because the message is more important than the. For me, uh, I thought question. that was trolling because I thought to myself, like, you, here you consciously throw up trolling. Yeah, because I was like, here's your expectation. Here's the thing that you want me to do. And instead, wait, wait, wait. what is the thing you presume she wanted you to do? Have a bit more of a long, drawn-out explanation that might be good, but in some ways would kind of just fall Mind into. Up not necessarily right off in bullshit, but would fall into expectation. Would fall into uh, what 
they can put on their new station? In my mind, it's bullshit because yes, it, it, I think I don't the, think anything Rissa said the, was bullshit. The mainstream news, as much as they want to be good people, maybe they really put out a lot of bullshit. So therefore, if you play into their game, you're putting out they're will they're they're able to make manipulate your shit. Well, they'll pick, they'll pick and choose what they want you yes. to put on the, the air for and sure. And they may inadvertently put out good shit, but they're right. trying to put out bullshit for sure. <laughs> but you you read that and you're like, fuck that. I see what her question is, but I know what the message is. The message I gotta put this out. You were waiting till she was done with her question, right? And then you gave the fucking statement. Is that what well? Happened? I mean, I think that like honestly, like I think that good trolling right now is this kind of situation where it's like, for example, I know this girl who's she's a sex worker. She's not an out of work sex worker because I'm she's for sex workers, by the way. Go on. Okay. Um, that's a whole other conversation. It I, is, I it dated is. sex workers. That's another thing. They did, yes, it is. But, but, we'll get to that. Um, I, I know the sex worker up in Portland, right? And she she, um, she never has had an OnlyFans. She's had like other things that she does, but she's out of work, right? And yes. so after a couple months of being out of work, I see she has this Instagram post, and she's like doing this like sort of like kind of thing, right? Okay. And like she has it written over here. She's like... Like come uh, come see the uh, bio on my page to uh, get to my OnlyFans, right? On her bare belly to right, sell it. Right, so it looks like it's like this. She's about to show her tits, and it's like, oh shit, I'm able to see her OnlyFans. And then you you click it, and she has hella followers, and you get to her bio, and it says, Brianna Taylor's killers have not been arrested. Love it. Right? Oh yeah. Now That's okay, like see now that I could read as a troll, but I got right. from A to C to B. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think I could get to A to B, but sometimes you can't know what B is without knowing what's in between A right. to B, and you don't have the imagination to know there's a C between there. Now you saw that, and you saw the source. But you get the idea, like it's I, again, like and like like. It's, so these wait, sport, is that where you got the idea? Totally, and the, also these sports stars, like they're, they're they're getting interviewed, like LeBron James, and like all these like, all these NBA players are getting interviewed about. Let's the, go back to Kaepernick. No, no, like, no, no, no. But let, let me get to these NBA players because they're, okay. they're they're all black and they're all coming back to the NBA. And they get all these yes, people being like, right. "What do you think about this next series? What do you think about this next series?" And yes. multiple NBA players have looked at this and they're like, "You know." Brianna Taylor's killers have not been arrested yet, and then they just stop. And then another interview will ask a question. So, what do you think about the next game? And like, what have you? Like, they try to get another answer out of them, and yes. they're like, you know, I was thinking about that. And Brianna Taylor's killers have still not been arrested. And it's like basically, it's like we're not going to create new news. You know what that is? We're not going to create a new uh, yes. headline. Instead, yes. we're going to make sure that this maintains the headline. But in the context of sports, we're not getting distracted. In the context of sports, that's fucking teamsmanship, man. I fucking love when fucking teams get together and they're all they all know what the fucking game is. For sure. So they take their own approach to it. Yeah. That's fucking beautiful. Uh, that's what I mean. I, like, that's what I love about the the new. That's where I I refuse to relate judgment on the words woke or the other one I mentioned. That's a modern term. It's they're they're terms that are new to me. Yes. Right. But they mean more than what I could possibly think or imagine they are. Yeah. So therefore, they're worth merit. It's the Bob Dylan thing. That's just if you what is it? Uh, if uh, if you, if you can't lend a hand, get out of the way. Sure. He's talking about old people. I realize at some point that matters to me because yeah. I'm the old person now. Right. I can't speak for these kids. The reason people are toppling over themselves. Is because they state opinions thinking that matters. Yeah. And all they're doing is agitating the fire that's fucking up the world. As yeah. opposed to just cooling off and letting the kids figure shit out from what we taught them. We don't, you know, we as old yeah. people, I mean, we're not giving the kids... I mean, you're not much older than me. And I, no, I, and I still I, consider I, myself to be... My thinking is, when you hit 30, you should be dead by now. 
<laughs> Not that you literally should be dead by now, right. but culturally. <laughs> culturally, you should allow for have taught for teaching your kids. I don't know, man. This is where I think uh, generations have fucked up. Is that I think the elders should have should know to have taught the kids what's up by example, rather than by telling them. And America has so skewered the conversation that they've convinced a parent to but, talk about their kids about money and but, otherwise go to work. But this this, re, this this returns us back to our, our initial conversation. More like, so so religion. Um, I'm atheist. Full stop. I'm atheist. But I'll say this: religion served a purpose within society at some point, where um, essentially, like, it was a passed down tradition. They would teach people values. They would teach people values. Mom, mom and dad would teach them, they'd, be, they'd be fucked up values. They would teach they would teach people values, and like it would be like a it would be a responsibility among elders to young that is actually awesome because it's metaphysical. It's not right. just about like your everyday life, right? But then yeah. as soon as we became a secular society, we started trusting our institutions to do that work for us. Yeah. Of course, we end up all fucked up like we do. Like, of course we do. By dependence, we lose our independence. To bring it back to Verhoeven... And I was actually thinking that. That's exactly... This is Verhoeven. To bring it back to like, Verhoeven, God. I think Verhoeven teaches people his perspective of things as it mattering somewhat for a perspective. Whereas a lot of filmmakers will go, in that era, when RoboCop came out, people were thinking, I gotta put out a movie that's gonna make money. And yeah. here Verhoeven is thinking, I gotta make a movie that's gonna make money, yes, because I wanna sure. keep making movies. For sure. But I wanna fucking say something, and so here's an opportunity, I'm gonna fucking put this little uh, thing yeah. in it. Here's this opportunity, I'm gonna put this fucking thing in it. Here's this opportunity, I'm gonna put this thing in it. I mean, 90s not, Hong not, Kong movies kinda did that too. Not even knowing what he's doing, he's doing it, and it builds into this object that is, yes, it's an action movie, because he served his job purpose. He did that. But, B, he infused in it a fucking social outlook that people can look back on and think, yeah, that's still how it is. And and they add their shit. Verhoeven yeah. has had the ability to be conscious of the system and conscious of a personality outside the system. Yeah. And I think that's what Louis C.K. did, and I think that's where Aziz Ansari failed at because he didn't have a personality enough yeah. to sustain himself past his controversy, which is what came in with the... Uh, system of people that brought down uh, Weinstein, which is brings right. us to the end of the podcast. Because, dude, I'd love to have you You're again. Done. Yeah, but sure. this has been going on, and I don't want to. I don't want one quick thing. Uh, actually, never mind. I mean, I'll I'll let it go all I was going to say is this kind of gets into what we were talking about the other night. This, 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 just this notion of just kind of like um, I'm fundamentally aware and critical of the system, and yet I also know that um, I am playing a part in it, and like I'm not gonna sit here and live my life in this sort of like militant posture of um how do I like a it? sheep yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do a militant posture of negation like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna negation, I'm gonna yeah. enjoy myself and like I'm gonna kind of yeah I'm gonna kind of play with it a little bit which ultimately to me is American dream yeah I mean I wanna play to with it to be free yeah. knowing full well what the fuck is going on exactly I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play with the prison that I'm in you know what I mean? Like, yes. I, like I, I, want, I want to do that. Like, it's and that's like the it's, only way to learn. And uh, what was the whole? I, I, my Goldman quote I had for you the other night was, uh, "Fucking, um, I don't want no revolution. I can't dance in." That's it. Well, the other thing, the other quote. Whose quote is that? I'm sorry. Wait. wait. Emma Goldman. No. The other quote you were saying that's worth mentioning, I think, was um, that author you were reading about pollution. 
oh, yeah. about what pollution means. It's yeah, like a yeah, limit yeah, yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary Douglas, she's crazy. Reroute that quote. I forget the quote exactly, but... What's it just? Pollution is what? It's the... Um, I guess it's like... It's the, it's the announcement of limitation. Yeah. It's the announcement of where we decide that things have gone too far. It's a polluted idea. And that's where Verhoeven comes in. Yeah, oh, totally, for sure. Like, I, I would say that Ver Verhoeven's cinema is for sure a artwork of pollution. It's like, let me take this fucking expectation you have, this idea you have, and I'm just going to, uh, the way I would describe it, I, I'm just going to jizz all over it. So is noise like, in a way. That, that's what, yeah, no, totally, yeah. for sure. I mean, like, they, they sometimes life would literally do that. Just jizz all the fuck over it, you know? That's not good. All right. I got to get more booze. I got to get more spirits. you have a final uh, thought? I got to go, go get more booze and I got to go more cigarettes. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, Sam, you got another thought? Nope. She says she's watching an Almodovar flick.